Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Penglis coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. So I was just looking at the temperature here in Milton. It's 80, oh, 69 degrees. I wonder if it, was too, it wasn't too bad. It's sunny out. It's going to get hot. Um, but uh, so we've had the, the, the we've had a very mild um, summer. This has been great so far. So I guess our high today is 89. It really hasn't crossed over the 90 degree mark, which is kind of nice. <laughs> I can handle that. That's, uh, that's not bad at all. So 69 now. So all you uh, crazy athletes around here that want to go running and bike riding and skateboarding and all the other things that people do, start early. <laughs> Just get up early. Go before work. You know, and it's, it's seven o'clock now here, Central Time, um, and so it's um, it's pretty nice out there. So it's Friday. Hope you all are gonna have fun. I'm gonna have fun. Um, all kinds of weekend stuff planned, and I love my town. I just love my town. You know, I just walking around, and I meet people, I know people. You know, this is kind of like Mayberry. <laughs> so if you ever remember the old TV show. That one. Anyway, <laughs> I can't believe I can whistle like that. Usually I can't do it when I want to. It's kind of funny. Um, so there's a lot going on. We have two guests today, so this is great. Um, it's uh, okay, good. So I just got a note from uh, from Marco. His father's out of the hospital, which is great. So congratulations, sir. Appreciate that. That's good. Good to know. Yeah, I hate it when when family's in in the hospital. Anyway, um, so. As for what's going on in the country today and the world today, everything's falling apart. The crazies have taken over. Um, in fact, I want to do a show on, 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 uh, on, on psychopathic uh, politicians. And what I'm thinking of is, is hang on, I'm going to write down, psychopathic politicians. There's got to be a word for that, psychopathic politicians. So what's going on in Congress? Uh, they just spent uh, trillions of dollars. They up and said, we've saved trillions of dollars. That incongruity is irrational. Uh, we've got people saying irrational things. We've got people saying things that are impossible, and it's impossible for them to say them, yet they're saying them anyway. They're getting up there and saying, we've saved trillions of dollars. We've rescued the country. We've prevented default, when none of those things are true. But th- th- we were never in danger of default, because you know, there's lots of money there. They, they keep pushing the, the, the date back. This is the threat of default, is what it is, but it's not an actual default, because there's money. There's money. They can always scrape up money from somewhere, move it around, change accounts. You know, We're never in danger of default. That's not an issue. What we're in danger of is political propaganda and mass psychosis. That's what we're in danger of. So what do I want to do? Maybe Marco knows something like this. this be good. I've got my, uh, my instant uh, communication to my friend in, in the Netherlands. And I wonder if there's a term for this. He, he often is, is really wonderful about looking stuff up, uh, especially when nobody else is on, on the show either calling in or uh, on live chat. You can go to live chat too, by the way. Anybody can go. Uh, during the show, you've got to go live. And most of you still listen by podcast, so it makes it a little tougher because we're there. Becca <laughs> makes it impossible. Um, but if you go to live chat while we're live, you can just uh, scroll down to the bottom of the page, and you'll see a, a place to get yourself a free account. And then you sign in like Marco did, like other folks have done around the world, and you can join us from anywhere. We get some pretty interesting discussions going here, uh, especially when uh, Marco and Warren from uh, Wake Up New Orleans get into it. <laughs> which is really kind of exciting. So it's like this whole other world. This is world of live chat, and this is world of uh, those of us on the show talking. And, and a lot of times they cross over, but not always. Anyway, so there's a, there's a particular kind of political psychosis 
and I'm not quite sure if there's a word for it, if there's a study for it. I, I'm gonna probably I'm gonna check this out uh, after the show and, and over over the weekend. That these people are doing irrational things. They're saying irrational things. They they can't possibly believe them if they have an ounce of of uh, gray matter in their heads or integrity, uh, which puts the uh, you know both of those in, in in severe doubt whether they actually have an ounce of matter or any integrity to be able to get up and say. We're just, uh, you know, we're, we're saving you money. And we know they're not. They've unleashed, you know, the, the, the tidal wave. You know, they've released the Kraken, so to speak. Uh, the Kraken being the national debt. So I wrote something this morning on Facebook. And I think this kind of makes sense. So I, in fact, I wrote a lot of things on Facebook the last uh, 24 hours. And it'll probably get me in trouble, but I can't help that. I just do it anyway. So I wrote, uh, it's time to start calling the national debt what it really is. The national death. So what Congress just passed is the National Death Bill. They did. They just passed the National Death Bill. They passed a bill that will cause our national death because the, 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 the amount that they're borrowing is so great, uh, they're trying to sabotage any possibility of it being paid back. Now, I still think it can be paid back. So what I'm talking about is our, uh, is our new and improved, greatly advanced um, constitutional amendment to ban Congress borrowing money. And what I've done is I've added some provisions to it, particularly ones that uh, say that the government cannot own securities. Well, what they do is the, the Fed, which is sort of government, sort of not, buys securities uh, with nothing. And then they print the money from nothing. They tell the Treasury, you guys have to print money based on the securities we just bought. Okay? That's, that's how they create money out of nothing and how they, they print extra money, put it into the economy, and they call that quantitative easing. I call it inflation, which is what it really is. Now, Derek's not with us today, so he's busy off doing all kinds of fun summer things because this is Florida. So we'll get him back. Uh, um, I think he's there for a couple more weeks. So we're, I'm going to have to do the, the economic thing myself. But I talk about economics enough, so that should be okay. Anyway, so that's what's uh, going on. Quantitative, quantitative easing is just code for inflation and debt. And the more debt they can create, the more inflation they create, the better government does. Uh, and the better the Fed does because with inflation, more of your money, the, the wealth of your money is transferred to them um, because your money is worth less, which means you have to borrow more, you have to spend more. And the banks love it. <laughs> they love when you borrow more because they charge you interest on the, on the fake money that they created. So they make money not only in the fake money, but they make money on the interest on the fake money. That's how it works. So my constitutional amendment would stop all that because it would ban a central bank which effectively bans the Fed and by default bans any kind of CBDC, central bank digital currency. If central banks are banned, then it also bans central bank digital cur- currency. Sorry, globalists. You know, and as I, wrote, I wrote another comment, which I haven't posted on Facebook yet, but I think I did something similar a while back. But uh, this is going to be one of, our, uh, uh, one of our, our maxims here at Action Radio. The laws are the only transparency left in government. When we, the people, control the laws, we will control the government. And so uh, it's kind of profound when I think about it. I kind of like that. But it's true. The, the elections are not transparent. In fact, they're stolen. So this whole word transparency, in other words, you can see through it. That's not good enough. I want accountability. I don't want transparency. I want accountability. And I want prosecution. That's what I want. I want people held for, for a coup d'etat, for overthrowing our government. It's already transparent. I know they did it. <laughs> I don't know how much more transparent you can get. The evidence is everywhere. You know, mountains of video, piles of affidavits. You know, all kinds of uh, witness testimony, the whole bit. It's all there. Hearings, audits, everything. Everybody knows this is a fraud election. Especially the Democrats, because they know Brandon could never be Trump. Why do you think they planned so hard to steal the election? Because they're not stupid. Dangerous, yes. Stupid, no. So anyway, I put another thing up, just because uh, this is uh, Gay Pride Month. And, uh, and I, I said, why do we call it? Why? Now they're just saying Pride Month. I said, well, why don't we call it Gay Pride Month? You know, that's what it is. So we're, not, we're not celebrating pride of general pride. 
uh, Dan Ball said, here, you know, here's my pride flag. And he puts up the American flag on One American News. Uh, that's, that's his pride flag. My, I, my pride flag, yeah, it's mine too. Actually, my pride flag, I've got a kind of a combination of flags. I've got a lot of flags in my place. But uh, the Betsy Ross 13 colony flag, back when at our founding, when we were at our most free, that's my pride flag. Um, but anyway, so I put uh, calling Gay Pride Month, Pride Month, uh, makes as much sense as calling Black History Month, History Month. <laughs> you know, you think about it. A, and I, I want to get Piaki's take on that. I mean, I, hopefully he'll join us at some point today. Uh, he may not know that we have guests the second and third hour, but he'll find out real quickly. But yeah, I mean, this would be a good topic for, for Piaki. So Piaki, what would you think if they call Black History Month, History Month? You know, I mean, you know, it's kind of crazy. And then I thought to myself, okay, well, if we can have, uh, you know, Pride Month or Gay Pride Month, why can't we have Hetero Pride Month? If we have Gay Pride Month, we should have Hetero Pride Month in celebration of men having sex with women and women having sex with men. Hetero Pride Month. So that'd be like July because it's hot. You know, what else are you going to do? It's too hot to do anything else. It's too hard to work. So uh, men and women should uh, have sex together and celebrate Pride Month, Hetero Pride Month. So, um, yeah, I think that's kind of fun. Um, another one. Another one I think I post on Facebook. I said, well, it's official. Back to economics again. Uh, Kevin McDeepstate. I know it's hard to say, but it's funny. So work on it. Kevin McDeepstate is now the Democrat majority speaker of the House. Knew this would happen. Yeah, I mean, I hate to say I I told you so, but I told you so. And a lot of people told you so. Uh, Many people. Uh, And this is why when the House actually uh, uh, let uh, McDeepstate become speaker. I mean, the 20 that were holding out, I wish they'd continue to hold out for a different candidate because anybody would be better than this. And we knew this was going to happen. So it's not like this is some big surprise that Kevin McDeepstate uh, made, a, made a Faustian bargain with illegal Brandon um, to sacrifice our country because they don't care. They're the nation of government. Go to my Substack, gregpenglis.substack.com. So let me say that again, gregpenglis.substack.com and read the nation of government. It describes how Washington, D.C. has become a country, uh, basically a colonial power with the states being held hostage and the people being held hostage because the, the, uh, the nation of government can tax the people directly. So in other words, just like the, uh, uh, the monarch, King George III in, in uh, Britain, you know, back when uh, we were colonies, could tax the people directly. And we said taxation without representation is tyranny. Well, in the same way here, too, we don't have any representation anymore. Well, yeah, we have people in Congress, but they don't represent us. You know, they represent their donors. They represent uh, their lobbyists. They represent their parties. Uh, they represent the na- they, they support the nation of government of, of Washington, D.C. being a nation that is a nation of government. It's literally a country of government. Government makes up the country. I mean, the United States is a country of freedom and independence and things like that. Well, used to be. Um, but uh, but Washington, D.C. is actually a nation unto itself, an independent nation of government. It's kind of an interesting concept. Well, let me get to some of my articles that I had uh, prepared for this particular day. And Julie Kelly is someone I do not uh, research enough. In fact, I'd love to get her on the show. She writes for American Greatness and probably the, one of the best reporters in the country today. And so I've got a series of articles and kind of peruse them through and uh, make comments. And you're welcome to make comments on live chat, or you can call me uh, 215-383-3832. And if you want to call me on the Skype line, then uh, just call today and I'll be able to get you on for Monday. So this is like a one-day delay. I have to... Uh, Review the account. If I forget to check the Skype, then just you know put me a note on live chat. Say, hey, Greg, check Skype. I got. Uh, I'm waiting to uh, to call you from some country somewhere in the world, uh, who's hopefully awake at this hour. <laughs> well, Europe's awake, you know. And uh, who else? It's, it's the, the folks on the other side of the Dateline that have the problem because it's uh, well, not so much now. I guess it would be now. There's like one or two in the morning. Uh, in New Zealand and, and uh, I guess, the east coast of Australia. They have it the worst. So that would that also include Japan uh, and other, other nations fairly close to the dateline. 
So the further you get uh, e- uh, west of the dateline, the easier it gets up until Greenwich Mean Time. Um, but so the dateline is when the 24-hour time changes from one day to the next. So the dateline is the greatest time change. Greenwich Mean Time is only about eight hours ahead of us, I think. And so that would be for, for Marco, uh, be, one, be like 3, 3.10 in the afternoon or something like that. Anyway, um, so the first article by Julie Kelly, why is everyone protecting Ray Epps? Now, Ray Epps is the FBI operative. Uh, do I say that definitive? Well, yeah, because he's the only one who's not in jail. <laughs> you know, it's pretty obvious he's an FBI operative. They're protecting him. All right. So, what, what, you know, the fact that uh, uh, Chris Ray, uh, the traitor that's running the FBI and, and uh, you know, uh, FBI KGP Gestapo, Gestapo uh, Savak, you know, pick, uh, pick a uh, Stasi, you know, pick a secret place. Right. Uh, Merrick Garland. Neither one of them will answer the question. You know, how many FBI operatives did you have uh, January 6th? which means uh, two things. One, they're not answering because they know they have operatives uh, and they can't say that because that would be treason. Uh, and the other thing is they can't say, no, there were no, there were no operatives when they know there are operatives because that would be perjury. So they're caught between treason and perjury, which makes them actually guilty of both. They're guilty of both because they know and probably participated in uh, the FBI operatives that were there uh, January 6th. Uh, the fact that they say they can't answer the question is perjury because, of course, they can answer the question. They should be able to answer the question, no, there were no FBI operatives there January 6th, but they can't do that because that would be perjury because they know there were, right? And once that's proven, then their asses are in jail, which is where they should be anyway. And they can't say, yes, there were operatives, which actually is the truth because that's treason. (laughs) In other words, they participated in the active overthrow of the U.S. government uh, by the government itself. That's called a coup. So they can't say that either. So the only thing they can say without uh, appearing guilty of treason or perjury uh, is I can't answer the question, which actually, as far as I'm concerned, convicts them of both treason and perjury by self-admission. And they, what they should do is claim the fifth. I'm sorry, I can't answer that on the grounds that it might incriminate me. Well, you just incriminated yourself, you moron. <laughs> you know, so they can't say that either. So they can't take the fifth because the fifth would be an admission of guilt anyway. Well, of course, not answering the question is an admission of guilt. But you see, the senators, they don't, they don't want to push them on that. When they get to, whenever they get Chris Ray or McGarland or any of the other, uh, you know, communist Marxists that are running our government right now, they all talk about, uh, they, they, they just answer, ask them, a, you know, an allegedly tough question and they don't follow it up. So the follow up question is, is what Ted Cruz should have said. If he ever calls the show, I'll tell him that this is what you should have said when Chris Ray, when he says, well, how many FBI operatives were there? I can't answer the question. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, what, that's it? <laughs> oh, you made some brave statement. Well, wait, this is, you should answer. No, no, no. No, you say you better damn well answer the question. Your job's on the line. You're going to be held in consent of Congress, and hopefully you'll be uh, out of your job by, by this afternoon and uh, hopefully on your way to jail because we will prosecute you to the full extent of the law for either treason or perjury or both. That's what he should have said. Or he should have made my argument. By saying you can't answer the question, uh, that means that there were FBI operatives because if there were not FBI operatives, you would have said there weren't FBI operatives, but you can't say that because that's perjury. The same argument. So, so, so Ted Cruz could make that argument, but he won't. He could. Uh, my congressman, Matt Gates, make that argument, uh, but he hasn't. Uh, I think he would, maybe. I don't know. Call the show, Matt. <laughs> you know, Representative Gates. Uh, and, uh, and let's talk and see if I can, uh, you know, I mean, I would give this argument to any, any politician, anybody who, who wants it, because it works. You can prove treason and perjury by the simple fact that they refuse to answer the question by simple logic. That's what we do. All right. Julie Kelly, May 22nd, 2023. Why is everyone protecting Ray Epps? Says over the past month, speculation has swirled around why Fox News. Ho- uh, I can move my computer a little bit here. Hang on. Uh, uh, I can't read it. 
Over the past month, speculation has swirled around why Fox News honchos ousted the nation's most popular cable news host just hours before he was set to begin his nightly monologue. Tucker Carlson reportedly was stunned by the news, which was announced in a terse statement released by the network on April 24th. Fox News Media and Tucker Carlson have agreed to part ways. Oh, yeah, I'm sure they agreed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they, Fox News said to Tucker, hey, do you, do you want to leave? <laughs> oh, sure, no problem. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. This is we thank him for his service to the network and as a host uh, and prior to that as a contributor. Oh, I guess it could have been covered. Did he give the date of this? Anyway, Julie Kelly, May 22nd, 2023, article titled, Why is Everyone Protecting Ray Epps? Source is American Greatness. I kind of like to do my, my credits all in one place so everybody has them. Then uh, says, we thank him for his service. Okay, what, it sounds like he's military. You know, Well, we thank you for your service. By the way, what was your service? Uh, I worked in the kitchen. No, thank you for your service. Okay, fine. Sorry, nothing else working in the kitchen. Uh, somebody has to, otherwise the troops don't get fed. Anyway, the next paragraph says, subsequent reports suggested, I'll give you my news voice, right? You ready? Subsequent reports suggested that any number of reasons why Carlson was yanked off the air, uh, including the company's settlement with Dominion Voting Systems. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, that's one of the number of reasons. Con- you know, and I heard this. We all heard this, that he was fired because of the lawsuit where Dominion, uh, which should never have won that lawsuit, by the way, because Fox refused to fight it. And this is an easy lawsuit to defeat. You know, then you would say, because what's, what's the defense for libel? Truth, right? Truth is the defense for libel. If someone says, you know, you're slamming and libeling me, you know, by saying that the election was fraudulent, I say, well, let me prove it. You know, I can prove it. And, and that's the defense. And then you introduce all the evidence of vote fraud into the trial. And Dominion looks like, looks stupid, and then they can prosecute him. Because basically, they, they either have to take the fifth, which is pretty much an admission of guilt, even though it's not officially an admission of guilt. Um, but it, it pretty much is. So they say, oh, sorry, we can't... Uh, I can't answer that question on the grounds that it might uh, incriminate us. That would be the Chris Ray Merrick Garland honorable way out, but they won't do it. They'll just say they won't answer the question and nobody holds them to it. Same thing here. Answer the question, Dominion Voting Systems. You know, how did you cheat? <laughs> yeah. Don't say, did you cheat? Because they'll say no. Ask them how they cheated. Oh, well, we didn't cheat. Well, that, we know that's false because Biden won by, by the vote count. He didn't actually win. He won by the vote count, which means the votes are fraudulent. That's pretty simple logic, too. Anyway, he says, uh, settlement with Dominion Voting Systems, a separate lawsuit filed by a one-time producer for Tucker Carlson. Where's the Ray Epps stuff? Let me see if I can get down to that. That'd be much more interesting. Ah, here we go. And he says, but the timing of his removal, less than 24 hours after 60 Minutes, aired a puff piece, that's another words, false, <laughs> on Ray Epps, the infamous January 6th instigator frequently covered by Carlson's show, fueled rumors that Fox News wanted to silence Carlson before he could respond to several accusations made in the interview. Carlson is obsessed with me, Epps told reporter Bill Whitaker, who repeatedly used the term conspiracy theory to describe, claim, to describe claims Epps acted as a federal agent during the Capitol protest. Now he actually acted as a federal provocateur. Did you see how they get around it? If he was acting as a federal agent, he would have arrested himself. <laughs> okay. But no, he was acting as, a, as, a, as an agent provocateur. In other words, he was part of the fake insurrection uh, to cause the distraction to uh, allow for the threatening of members of Congress so they wouldn't actually challenge uh, the Trump electors, which were viable at that time, that should have been considered. Uh, they, they basically canceled the consideration of the Trump electors. That's what the coup was all about. The coup was about the seven battleground states canceling the Trump electors from being considered by Congress. They couldn't risk that. So that's why the, the coup started when Arizona, the first alphabetically of the battleground states with a set of Trump electors, um, that's when they started the, uh, the internal uh, riot, allegedly, by Antifa, Black Lives Matter, Ray Epps, the federal operatives, mercenaries, and anybody else that was hired 
you know, uh, secretaries off duty, who knows, whoever they threw in there, because most of the Trump supporters were still walking down from the speech, you know, at the White House, which is 45 minutes away, you know, by walking, um, because Trump started his speech an hour late. I still think, I'm not convinced of this, but I, I can't, I have no evidence for it, that Trump started that speech one hour late on purpose to make sure that the Trump supporters were not there when this started, if he knew about it. Now, I could be wrong. Uh, maybe it's just a coincidence. Maybe it's just fate. Maybe it's just one of those things. Uh, but the fact that speech, because Trump doesn't usually start speeches an hour late, especially when he's right there. He's right there at the White House. Wait, he'd walk out onto a podium. Podium was already built long ago, bulletproof, you know, security, the whole bit. How long does it take to get to the, I mean, he can fly, you know, all across the country to make a, uh, a thing on time with bad weather. You know, he can, he can fly all over the place, you know, fly through the rain, you know, in the clouds and all that kind of stuff and show up, you know, across the country in Iowa, <laughs> you know, he canceled something for tornadoes, but I understand that. Um, but so he can do that, but he can't walk from the White House to a podium <laughs> on time, be an hour late. It's like a five minute walk, <laughs> you know, so, so why was he an hour late, you know? That's no one asked that question. I'm asking that question anyway. So the uh, so so, uh, so yeah. So in other words, rather than denying he was there, see, I don't think Ray Epps has ever denied that he was an FBI agent. He just says they're obsessed with me. You know, it's like uh, the innocent person when you say, "Hey, you uh, you uh, you know, uh, put that screwdriver through my tire," right? Uh, and the and the honest person will say, "No, I didn't. What are you crazy? I wasn't even here. I was you know miles away. What are you, get get over it. I'm just get, trying to get my car and checking my tires." You know, whereas if uh, you know, the guilty person will say, how dare you accuse me of that? You know, uh, yeah, why would you say I, would, I punctured your tire with my screwdriver? You know, that's, I, that's ridiculous. That's a stupid thing to say. Well, they're probably guilty because, <laughs> you know, anybody that denies the accusation. So, so when uh, Ray Epps says, and this is Psychology 101, right? He says, uh, they're obsessed with me. You know, uh, in other words, they have to now prove that they're not obsessed with him. Well, no, maybe we are a little obsessed with you because you're a criminal. You know, you refuse to say what happened, what you were doing. And then he says, uh, to describe Ray Epps acted as a federal agent. And again, federal agent? No. He acted as an agent provocateur to help with the riot. Uh, he's, going to, he's going to any means possible to destroy me. Well, how can he destroy you if you didn't do anything wrong? If you have nothing to hide, Ray Epps, how can he destroy you? Just thought I'd ask the question. He said, the article says, now it appears Carlson was, in fact, prepared to address Epps' interview in his April 24th monologue. Oh, how convenient. How convenient for Fox. That's my line. Chadwick Moore, author of an upcoming biography on Carlson. Oh, that's a great name. Chadwick. Just love these names of, of the rich and of famous. You know, the, 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 people don't name their kid Tucker very often. But, but uh, if you're a famous family, you do. You name your, your kid Prescott Bush, you know, Tucker Carlson. You have all these ridiculous names. Most people name their boys, you know, Tom, Fred, Joe, John, Michael, you know. But uh, the rich name their kids Tucker, you know, and, and Chadwick. This <laughs> great and Prescott and, and what are the other, some of the uh, uh, like John Wayne's first name was Marion. What a stupid name for uh, for a boy, right? So anyway, so so Chadwick Moore, and you just see these, their parents like like sipping tea at the country club. Oh, Chadwick Moore, author of the upcoming biography on Carlson, revealed in a video massage posted on Twitter on Monday that Carlson scheduled monologue that night dealt with among other things investigations around January 6th and particularly Ray Epps who has the shortest name in the world, Epps, E-P-P-S. I bet you that's not even his real name. Have you ever heard the name Epps? Is that even a real name? Or did they make it up, Ray Epps? You know, it's, it's too short. Anyway, this is the only person captured on video inciting people to violence at the Capitol Hill that day and allegedly an FBI informant who still has not been arrested or charged. Yeah, who's the only person on tape saying, we've got to go inside the Capitol? Ray Epps. Why would Reps, Ray Epps say we have to go inside the Capitol? What was he trying to accomplish? He never gave a reason for it at the time. 
you know, I mean, so the whole reason of, of uh, in fact, people weren't there to do anything to the Capitol. The, the Trump supporters were there to support the challenge to the electors and to support the Trump electors being considered on January 6th and being counted. That's what the, that's what the, the rally was all about. They were supporting the action of Congress. Well, you don't cause an insurrection when you're supporting. You cause an insurrection when you're opposed. So who was opposed to the, 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 the uh, Trump electoral count? The deep state was. They're the ones that caused the insurrection. Again, simple logic reveals everything. Kind of how it works. All right. Okay, fine. Then they talk about this bogus. Let's get you another one here. Um, Julie Kelly says, uh, May 26th, sadists inflict their punishments. Again, in American greatness. Uh, the government goose-steppers, that would be the Nazis, responsible for, responsible for destroying the lives of Americans who dare to protest Biden's election appear gratified by the exercise, as all good Marxists are. Biden was not elected. Okay, let's, let's be really, really clear about this. Biden was installed illegally by the deep state in a coup televised on world TV known as January 6th. <laughs> okay, but what you don't see that wasn't televised was the really important stuff that happened under the Capitol. See, you notice that no, no reporter asked about what happened under the Capitol January 6th, except for us, right? No, I'm going to put that down for, for Jessica, Jessica in the next hour. Uh, I should get her theory on... What's, where am I going to put this in here? Um, I got the stolen election. I'm going, to, I'm going to put it in here right there. So I, I'm, I'm making notes to myself later. So stolen election. Stolen election. This is what I love talking to journalists. Election. I hope she's listening. Election. What happened under the Capitol? Nobody ever asked that question except us. Uh, when I had Christina Bob on, and she actually had a really good explanation. It's different than mine, uh, and I'm not sure I completely buy it, but it actually makes a lot of sense. And what she said was that the, um, the folks there were told by uh, members of uh, the deep state that they, they better vote for Brandon because they don't want to be associated with that Trump mob, even though it wasn't a mob. It was a bunch of people taking selfies. The only people doing damage, I'll bet you if they really analyze all the people who broke windows, did damage, who raced in, who caused all the problems, I guarantee you those are all operatives. Maybe a couple of rogue Trump people you know, who just went off the rails and were stupid because people can be stupid. Um, but, uh, but most Trump supporters were just there walking around going, wow, cool, we're in the Capitol. Wow, gee. You know, but they weren't, seeing as they were supporting Congress, there was no reason to go into the Capitol. That's how I knew it was a fake. But what the real fake is what happened under the Capitol. So when the alleged insurrection, in other words, the deep state disruption of the electoral count of Trump electors began with Arizona and all of Congress was immediately stopped and rushed underground, what happened below ground? There's no cameras, no video, no discussion, no reports. Nobody has said what it went on under the Capitol because that's where the coup took place. The upstairs stuff was just distraction. But the, it's the downstairs stuff where the coup took place. That's what we need to find out about. I'm going to ask Jessica when she comes on next hour, see what she says. This will be interesting. All right, let's go back to the goose steppers that uh, Julie Kelly is talking about, May 26th uh, in American Greatness. She says, Matthew Graves wasted no time during the political doing the political dirty work of the man who appointed him to serve as the U.S. attorney for the District of Columbia, Joe Biden. The Biden regime, or as I would say, coup and insurrection, Attorney General Merrick Garland of the DOJ KGB, my words, in particular faced heat in late 2001 for failing to bring harsher charges against Americans who protested Biden's election on January 6th. Garland was on the defensive for seeking mostly misdemeanor charges, given the right ammunition to mock the media's description of the four-hour disturbance as an insurrection. Yeah, four-hour disturbance. Yeah, four hours. 
So, but it was interesting. She calls it four hours, but Congress was uh, underground for seven hours. What are they doing? Having lunch? Do they have like some catered thing? There were meetings. And there's nothing in the congressional record about this, too. That's the other problem. There's nothing in the congressional record. When they, they, they just said they recessed. Okay. Put that little note to myself. Nothing in congressional record. I'm, just, I'm writing around my microphone. Try typing around a microphone. Congressional. The congressional record is supposed to have everything. But there's nothing in it from the time they recessed, <laughs> recessed, right, and went under the Capitol for, what, lunch? <laughs> you know, having their arm twisted, the, the Cape Affair the, uh, um, of the Capitol Hill Invitational Walk-In that was going on upstairs. There's no record of it. And yet Congress was meeting for seven hours. Well, that's impossible not to have a record. They're not saying what they, even if they did nothing, you have to report that. Yeah, they talked about uh, losing their campaign funds so they didn't vote for Brandon. That would be a good thing to report, actually. So we don't know. We don't know. But it says the Biden regime, Attorney General Merrick Garland, in particular, faced heat in late 2021 for failing to bring harsher charges against Trump supporters. That's, that's absurd. Then it says, enter Graves. And she says, the man responsible for prosecuting every January 6th case. Graves, kind of an interesting name uh, you know, of grave importance, that, uh, you know, the, the gravity of the situation. But uh, Mr. Graves, who probably wants to bury people, <laughs> I can make a lot of fun with his name. There are no coincidences in politics. Julie Kelly says shortly after taking the reins of the powerful office, Graves charged 11 members or affiliates of the Oath Keepers, including founder Stuart Rhodes, who was on our show twice, called us Oklahoma Federal Prison. You guys remember that? I should tell Julie Kelly about that. I'll send her the show, including founder Stuart Rhodes with seditious conspiracy, the most serious charge brought by the Justice Department in the unprecedented criminal investigation created during the Civil War as an alternative to treason to punish supporters of the Confederacy, seditious conspiracy is tantamount to waging war against the United States government. So basically, the seditious conspiracy would be the Confederacy. And by the way, the Confederacy was Democrats. So just to let you know, the Democrats that created the Confederacy were guilty of basically treason uh, or seditious conspiracy, uh, according to uh, the folks at the time. Kind of interesting. I didn't know that. That's the best definition of, of seditious conspiracy I've ever seen. Because sedition is whenever you're protesting or advocating or trying to overthrow your government. Well, actually, insurrection is trying to overthrow the government. Sedition, sedition is just talking against, protesting against, working against, fighting against your own government. Kind of what I do. <laughs> Except the sedition is not a legitimate crime in the States because we have a right to protest and work against and try to, uh, uh, using constitutional means, advocate against our government. That's what I do. I do it every day. We think I'm for the government? It's, <laughs> Hell no. But, you know, but charging, but, you know, under sedition, uh, sedition can't be a crime in the United States because it goes against the First Amendment. So you cannot have sedition and the First Amendment. The First Amendment would be supreme over any statutory law of sedition. So seditious conspiracy is is probably just as as unconstitutional as sedition. Because the conspiracy just means two or more people got together to do it. So sedition, speaking or working against your government, right? Uh, Conspiracy, two or more people doing it. So two or more people, you know, engaged in free speech, <laughs> you know, just because two or more people were doing it uh, doesn't make it any less an individual right of the individuals who are doing it, even if they're coming together to do it. A protest is a whole bunch of people, even though they're still individuals with individual rights, all with the individual right to protest, even if they're doing it all together. That doesn't make it a collective right. It still makes it an individual right because individuals are individually deciding to do it. That's how it works. Anyway, um, but this is, this is a really great description of seditious conspiracy, which I don't believe is a legitimate law. And so that would be one of my defenses is that given the First Amendment, you can't bring a charge of seditious conspiracy because what you're saying is that uh, this law is, is, super, is supreme over the First Amendment. And it's not. 
by definition, because the Constitution is the supreme law of the land, where the federal government has jurisdiction. Okay, that's the key phrase. The Constitution is the supreme law of the land where the federal government, or they say where the United States has jurisdiction. So the states individually have their own jurisdictions, which is everything not delegated to the federal government in the Constitution. That's called a separation of powers. So what's separated is that the states have a responsibility, the federal government has a responsibility, and they, they don't match. They're actually different. Where's the supremacy clause? I'm finding it in here. I think it's the end of, I think it's like article, section one, article 10. That's section 10. Where is the supremacy clause? That's article two. Okay. Yeah, it's going to be interesting with my constitutional amendment. Because <laughs> we've got to coin money, regulate the value thereof, and a foreign coin. Fix the standards of weights and measurements. That should be interesting. Um, that actually, the Federal Reserve defies that, too. Okay, it's going to be interesting to see how this all works out. I can't find that. Where's the supremacy clause? I, look, I don't memorize things. I, that's why I, don't, I just don't know where they are. I just, you know, I don't memorize things. It's probably Article 4. Let's just check Article 4. Article 1 is Congress. Article 2 is the President. Article 3 is, is the courts. Article 4 is other stuff. Supremacy clause. Yeah, it's in there somewhere. <laughs> anyway, I remember. All right, let me look, let me look it up real quickly. I want to get to, I don't I like to leave things hanging. So let's see. You've got the exact so text of the supremacy clause. Supremacy clause. See, most people don't know. It's like the 14th Amendment uh, prevents uh, birthright citizenship and people born here to foreign nationals becoming citizens because it says, you know, people who are born, who are, uh, born or naturalized are citizens of the United States. You know, and subject to the jurisdiction thereof. Okay. In other words, they're not they don't have citizenship in another country already. You know, so that's how that works. Uh, supremacy clause. Just give me the text. That's what it says here. All right, I got Oh, it's Article Six, Clause Two. The Constitution and the laws of the United States, which shall be made in pursuance thereof, and all treaties made or which shall be made under the authority of the United States. In other words, what's legitimately granted to the U.S. government by the Constitution, that's what under the authority of the United States means, shall be the supreme law of the land. And the judges in every state shall be bound thereby. Uh, anything in the Constitution or laws of any state to the contrary notwithstanding. I'm not sure what that means. I'll probably have to read this. But anyway, the Constitution and the laws of the United States which shall be made in pursuance thereof. In other words, laws that are constitutional. That doesn't include gun control, by the way. Gun control is not made in pursuance thereof of the Constitution. It's illegal by the Second Amendment, right? So that's what that clause means. Then it says, and all treaties made, which have to be approved by the Senate and, you know, signed by the president, approved by the Senate. Okay. Otherwise they're not a treaty or which shall be made under the authority of the United States. Well, what is the authority of the United States? Well, the authority of the United States is the constitution. All right. And what's the authority of the constitution? Well, what the state said it is, (laughs) the states created the constitution, ratified it. uh, And that's how it works. Anyway, so we can uh, get get a little bit more of this done here on, on Mr. Graves. Uh, Stuart Rhodes talked about that. And against it, uh, okay, there we go. So that's a great definition. Seditious conspiracy. Uh, let me read it one more time. Created during the Civil War as an alternative to treason, which makes me wonder why it was an alternative to treason other than you, you were hung for treason. Uh, so I guess they didn't want to execute the Confederacy. That might have caused some problems in the South. So they created seditious conspiracy so they could just throw him in jail for a long time. And it says it's tantamount to waging war against the United States, which by definition in treason, is giving aid and comfort to the enemy. 
So treason would be anybody who supported the Confederacy, maybe. It gets complicated. Article says Graves' indictment not only broke new legal ground to criminalize political speech, which, of course, is against the First Amendment, but lent credence to Biden's claims made during his speech on the afternoon of January 6th that what was happening at the Capitol bordered on sedition. Garland's office, that's Merrick Garland, announced the indictment in a lengthy press uh, release on January 13th, 2022, to Grand Fanfare. Washington Post columnist Jennifer Rubin awarded Garland with her Distinguished Poll of the Week for dramatically ratcheting up the investigation, except for the real one. Considering a federal judge tossed the exceedingly rare charge out of court in 2010, the last time the government attempted to prosecute Americans for seditious conspiracy, what happened in 2010? Hmm. One might assume the Justice Department would have an uphill battle to make the indictments stick. In fact, prosecutors recently admitted that only a handful of individuals, all tied to Islamic terror cells, including al-Qaeda and the Taliban, or as Obama says, the Taliban, as now Biden says, the Taliban, because Biden takes his orders directly from Obama. We know that because of the way he says Taliban. <laughs> That's how you know, right? So, so why would Brandon say Taliban, you know, instead of the way Americans say it, Taliban, if he wasn't uh, having uh, Obama's voice in his head? I mean, he's so imprinted Obama's voice in his head that he says Taliban. The way Obama says Taliban, and that's how you know Obama's voice is in Brandon's head directly. And these things are so easy to figure out. This is why it's funny. All right. Then he says convicted um, seditious conspiracy in the past several decades. For example, Sheikh Omar Abdel Rahman. I wonder if you made uh, ramen noodles. Rahman and nine others were charged and convicted of seditious conspiracy for the 1993 World Trade Center bombings that left six dead and more than a thousand injured. Why would that be seditious conspiracy? First of all, the World Trade, Center is not a, World Trade Center is not a government building. It's a commercial building. So sedition is against the government. Conspiracy just means you committed a crime. They committed a conspiracy to commit uh, terrorism. That was the conspiracy because there was a gang of them doing it. You know, Sheikh Omar Abdel Rahman, Noodle, and nine others were charged and convicted. They should have been convicted of conspiracy uh, and terrorism and blowing things up. What are the crimes associated with blowing things up? Wow. Anyway, has, how, could the, how could the charge apply to U.S. citizens merely entered a government building? Rhodes and one another defendant incidentally never went inside, carried no weapons, assaulted no one, and vandalized no property. How would an individual, quote, wage war against the United States by posting inflammatory text messages and videos? I have another question. How would, how would it, uh, walking into the Capitol Hill building anyway, overthrow the government? You know, the government would go on, even if, God forbid, every member of Congress were, I don't know, killed. Uh, by a Chinese missile, um, kidnapped, they'd be replaced. There's an order of succession. The whole government has, a, has this infinite variety of, uh, or, or list of succession things. You know, if everybody in Congress were, were immediately removed somehow and, and uh, put on a cargo ship, you know, in, you know, incommunicado to China, you know, the governors would, would appoint new members of Congress. They'd appoint a new Congress within like an hour. <laughs> We'd have a new one. Okay, so so the idea that uh, a group of people with cell phones can, quote, overthrow the government is absurd. It's it's laughable. And yet so many people take it seriously because they're all under this mass psychosis. Anyway, it says on Thursday, he issued the longest prison term yet for a January 6th defendant. Meta sentenced Rhodes to 18 years in prison. Yeah, we got to talk about that one. Uh, So Stuart Rhodes, um, almost a friend of mine, you know, like I say, uh, Jonathan Mosley, our attorney. Uh, and uh, was working with Stuart Rhodes. Stuart Rhodes called us from the Oklahoma Federal Prison. He called Jonathan. Jonathan put him on the show. Kind of interesting, huh? I'm going to put Julie Kelly on my list of uh, people to contact immediately. I think she might uh, appreciate uh, 
Julie Kelly. Oh, trash talks outside. Oh, it doesn't get too loud. Fortunately, my microphone's not very directional. I wanted to do one more. Um, what I might do is take a quick break right now, play a couple things, and give you another article. It is 7.39. So you notice we don't have Derek this morning. Derek's uh, gone for a couple of weeks. It's Florida. It's the summertime. I'd be gone, too. Uh, let me play some things here, and we'll be right back in just, uh, just a little bit. This is Greg Penglis for Strike Force, your source for pure energy. Strike Force is a concentrated energy drink that turns a half liter of your favorite beverage into an energy drink. You make your energy drink yourself. Action Radio is an affiliate of Strike Force, so our listeners get a 20% discount. All you do is add our code WYL to the discount code window at checkout. W-Y-L comes from our website, Write Your Laws. So, you can get your energy drink, a 20% discount, and help Action Radio change the relationship of we the people to our government. Not bad. Strikeforce is at StrikeforceEnergy.com. That's StrikeforceEnergy.com. Start your engine. Hello, this is Greg Penglis for our newest shooting range here in Milton, Florida. Stand your ground. My friend Jason Myers and crew are creating an incredible facility for our city. Stand your ground is located at 6632 Elva Street. The phone number is 850-789-1776. Their email is standyourground1776 at gmail.com. Here you'll find either in process or already going an indoor shooting range, axe throwing, archery, a rage room, self-defense classes, concealed carry weapons classes, security license training, paintball, a full-service gun store, and 24-7 online ordering. So come on down or contact them by phone, email, or website and learn how you can best stand your ground. All right, back in uh, just a little bit, a couple more announcements. Here at Action Radio, we are looking for sponsors. We have 30 and 60 second spots available for your announcements. And we have three minute live call-ins to talk about your products and services available. Action Radio is the next evolution beyond talk radio. Join us and let us help your business evolve. Think about being a sponsor of the future and not just a listener and help us help your business grow as you help us plunge headlong into breaking new ground here on Action Radio every day. Joe Biden's Dark Winter. No freedom, no liberty, no guns, no representation, no oil, no coal, no nuclear power, no space force, no constitution, no family gatherings, no vacations, just taxes, work, misery, masks, lockdowns, and ever more government. This is what will happen if you let Marxists steal the election. This has been a public service announcement of Action Radio, reminding you it's time to get off your butt and save your country. This is Greg Penglis. So what is Action Radio? 
It is a radio show with its own citizen legislature. That's you, the listener. It is a fully interactive system of listeners, expert guests, social media, writing bills, legislator input, bill submission, lobbying, and citizen action. Action Radio is the future of talk radio using all the available technology in one completely integrated new system. You are listening to Action Radio Online with Greg Penglis. The webpage for all Action Radio shows and podcasts is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Please share our show with all your friends and family, both nationally and internationally. The guiding principle of Action Radio is this. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed. Dangerously cool. Yes. I just love that. <laughs> so much fun the things we make here. All right, got a couple more articles by Julie Kelly, and then you think she was on the show with all the stuff I'm doing with her here, but uh, uh, so, uh, I think she'd. Uh, now that I'm reading more of the stuff about Stuart Rhodes that she wrote, uh, I'm thinking uh, that uh, hey, I'll, I'll uh, you know she can write about the the conversations we had. Nobody else has, you know. I mean, I, I keep I keep doing you know action radio. Incredible things happen here. Jonathan got us uh, Stuart. Rhodes from the Oklahoma Federal Prison. Uh, Stuart called his phone. Jonathan connected it to us. <laughs> you know, we talked. I got to talk to Stuart in prison. Uh, that that kind of stuff just doesn't happen on most shows. Happens here because we have amazing people. So Julie Kelly, May thirtieth, twenty twenty three, a couple days ago. Three years later, no justice for BLM. That is Black Lives Matter insurrection in D.C. D.C.'s lead prosecutor has turned a blind eye to a six-month campaign of terror in the nation's capital in 2020 so he could keep his sights on mostly nonviolent protesters. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I'm not convinced that any of the Trump supporters were actually violent until I see someone that was a Trump supporter that was not affiliated in any way with the FBI, a mercenary, an informant, uh, or by the CIA, or any other group that was there that had no connection to government whatsoever, just purely a Trump supporter. All right. I don't think they found anybody yet that had no connection to anything government at all. It was not part of the coup uh, that was actually violent. Another good question for uh, Jessica when I get her on here at the top of the hour. Julie says in her article in American Greatness, May 30th, uh, she says our office prosecutes. Oh, it says, oh, here we go. This is a quote. Our office prosecutes all acts of violence, regardless of political motivation. The same. <laughs> yeah, really? She says, so said U.S. Attorney for the District of Columbia, Matthew Graves, under oath, mind you, with a straight face, during a hearing of the House Oversight Committee earlier this month. Well, he's obviously a pathological liar, which seems to be a consistent fact of the Brandon insurrection. Article says, Representative Paul Gozar, representative of Arizona, questioned Graves' disparate treatment of Black Lives Matter rioters who terrorized Washington, D.C. in 2020 versus Trump supporters involved in the events of January 6th. She's really good with language. Who's good at voting? She says, although the start of both incidents was a mere seven months apart, they are a world away in terms of accountability. And what Graves calls the Capitol siege investigation, more than 1,000 Trump supporters have been criminally charged. Yeah, they're in the D.C. Gulag. And I'm glad everybody's calling it the D.C. Gulag now. I think we were the first. You know, we, I think we started using that January 7th. <laughs> Anyway, uh, Graves, a, uh, back to the article, uh, Graves, a Biden appointee, has, pro- of course he is, 
has, which means an Obama appointee, has promised to double that caseload before he's finished. His office announces new arrests every week. Wasn't that special? I'm really glad I wasn't there now <laughs> because I could be in the D.C. Gulag. Not that I'd, uh, um, you know, shirk from my duty, but it's just uh, I just wasn't there. I mean, I, I'm not a big protester. I don't do crowds and protests. You know, people are like you've got to go to the local meetings. Uh, why? I get I get two. I have to wait two you know two hours to to speak for three minutes. I got a three hour radio show. Why do we need to go to a meeting? Anybody wants to know what I think? Listen to my radio show. I said it in the radio show. So no, I don't have to go to the meeting, and I don't go to protests. Uh, you know, and I, I'm not really big on, on conventions unless I can speak there because I can hear the stuff anyway. I, the chances are I know the information and already reported it. Article says that, however, is not the case for rioters who caused a far more violence and inflicted far more damage in the nation's capital in 2020. So in other words, thousand Trump supporters have been criminally charged. Not the case of Black Lives Matter. Uh, or as Julie says, who caused far more violence and inflicted far more damage in the nation's capital in 2020. The rioting that began on May 29th, 2020 at Lafayette Square prompted the lockdown. This is before the election, right? 2020 election prompted the lockdown of the White House. Donald Trump, his wife and teenage son were ushered to an underground bunker for their safety as looters and arsonists repeatedly tried to scale the fence and break through the police barricades erected outside the White House. What started that night in 2020 didn't just last a few hours as was the case with the Capitol protests, which I call the Capitol Hill Invitational Walk-In. She says, on June 1st, rioters burned part of St. John's Church, a historical landmark across from the White House, and set ablaze other areas of the public park. Chaos continued throughout the summer with the president, his family, this is the real president, Donald Trump, right? His family, the White House staff, under constant threat. Police arrested 11 people at Lafayette Square in July 2020 for various offenses, including assault of a police officer. That the Tuesday night incidents that stretch over hours are the latest confrontations to transpire near the White House, where protesters have been gathering daily for more than a month to protest for racial justice, whatever that is, after the killing of George Floyd, who actually died of a drug overdose, uh, in the custody of Minneapolis police. I said, actually died of a drug overdose, you know, she says, in the custody of Minneapolis police. This, the Washington Post reported uh, July of 2020. She says after Trump accepted the GOP nomination of president on White House grounds in August 2020, that's that's like the month before, right? Rioters chased Republican lawmakers, including Senator Rand Paul and his wife, leaving the event. Some assaulted police in an attempt to get near members of Congress. Representative Brian Mast, Republican of Florida, who, who lost both legs and a finger in Afghanistan, was surrounded and shouted down by Black Lives Matter protesters as he tried to get home. Yeah. Well, apparently nobody else's life matters <laughs> except those who belong to Black Lives Matter. Not even Black Lives Matter to Black Lives Matter, which is kind of interesting. The article says elected officials weren't the only targets of rage-filled activists occupying the heart of the nation's capital that year. Trump supporters, including young families with children, were attacked by BLM and Antifa rioters during the pro-Trump rallies in November and December 2020. So why would, why would the feds assume that with all the uh, BLM, Black Lives Matter, and Antifa rioters in uh, Washington in the summer of 2020 that they wouldn't also be available uh, in the winter of 2021, <laughs> you know, six months later. Uh, they're already there, right? So you wouldn't even have to recruit them. They're there. Did they disappear? Did they go? Did they go home somewhere or did and uh, come back? But it's just interesting that these huge amounts of rioters for Black Lives Matter and Antifa that were riding throughout the summer weren't, weren't charged with anything, really, uh, and were able to come back, you know, uh, to, to instigate what I think was the coup you know, by the deep state, and so they could blame Trump supporters. She says, but the violent demonstrations at Lafayette Square re- represent the closest comparison to January 6th, 
uh, clashes between federal police and protesters on federal property. An Interior Department Inspector General report detailed the turbulent situations at Lafayette Square that endangered police and the president for days. You can read the article. I'm not going to go into all of it now. I want to see if I can get one more of uh, Kelly's articles before we go. I got two choices. Time for Republicans to confront January 6th lead prosecutor. I think I pretty much covered that. Ah, look at it. Let me get this latest one. So this is May 19th. Look ahead, not backwards, to hold the Justice Department accountable. Yeah, we've got to hold them accountable because they haven't done anything right. You know, they're the internal security ministry, not the Department of Justice. They are the KGB, the Stasi, the Gestapo, the Savak. You know, uh, pick your your secret police force for any country. That's who they are. Anyway, look ahead, not backwards, to hold the Justice Department accountable. This is Julie Kelly, May 19th. American greatness. The minimal tools to, at the very least, embarrass top officials and expose the existing rot within the Justice Department are in the hands of House Republicans. They would do well to use them. Well, I don't have a whole lot of faith in House Republicans now since they passed the National Death Bill. And you heard me right. National Death Bill. It's not the National Debt anymore. It's the National Death. So I actually said that by accident this morning. That's how I thought of it. (laughs) I know that sounds kind of crazy, but that's how I thought of it. I'm sitting around. Yeah, it's the National Death Bill. I mean, you know, debt bill. No, wait a minute. National debt bill. Yeah, that makes more sense. So that's how how I started calling it then. Back to the article. May 19th, Julie Kelly, American Greatness. Release of Special Counsel John Durham's report on law enforcement and intelligence misconduct related to the 2016 presidential election has been met with outrage, recriminations, and a justified amount of vindication for those, including Trump, she says President Donald Trump, who helped expose the brazen operation from the start. Trump is taking a well-deserved victory lap to the extent one can be had, punctured, uh, punctuated with an angry denunciation of the scandal's perpetrators. Conservative media is carefully dissecting the report to confirm once again the existence of what can only be described as a legitimate seditious conspiracy. Yeah, real one, right? Not the phony January 6th sort concocted by the country's most powerful interest to take down a duly elected president. Yeah, so the, uh, the Russia hoax was a seditious conspiracy. It was a conspiracy to take down Donald Trump based on false information, made up. Uh, Congress was involved. Uh, FBI, Justice Department was involved. Uh, the media was involved. Big Tech was involved. Who else was involved? They perpetrated this hoax for two years, and they all knew it was a lie. That's a seditious conspiracy. So let's, let's arrest them. Let's put Hillary Clinton on trial. That should be interesting. Uh, no one will testify, though, because they'll be killed. <laughs> you know, allegedly, right? Okay, it says, uh, here we go. U.S. Representative James Jordan, Republican of Ohio, Chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, invited Durham to testify next week. Uh, I don't know if he ever did. Did he testify yet? May 19th. How long ago was that? This is June 2nd. When was May 19th? Uh, It was two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, Friday. Huh. I don't think he testified. I'll have to look it up. If he did, he didn't say anything. (laughs) Because it would have been in the news. Anyway, it says, unfortunately, the collective reaction uh, is an exercise in futility. No no one, as many observers readily admit, will be held criminally responsible. The corrupt scheme's collaborators receive book royalties, speaking fees, and coveted gigs at cable news outlets and nonprofits rather than lengthy prison sentences, despite Senator Rand Paul's uh, wish casting. That's true. If you're a Democrat or an operative of the deep state, you get rewarded for, for committing a crime. If you don't commit a crime, you get unjustly tried, convicted, and thrown in jail if you're a Republican or conservative or a Trump supporter. That's 
third world dictatorship. That's, that's like the worst of governments, the most corrupt. And that's what we have here. And people are like, I can't believe it's happening here. I can because <laughs> we have a big government. Anytime you have a big government, this kind of stuff can happen. Anyway, says so some, including Deputy Attorney General Lisa Monaco, populate the upper echelons of the Biden regime. Biden himself played a key role in perpetrating the destructive lie. Of course, we all know the story there. Let me take one more break before uh, Jessica calls in, and uh, that'll give me a chance to play all my stuff. Uh, it is now 7.56. Yeah, she should be here in just a couple of minutes. She's, she's a journalist, so I'm sure she'll call in right on time. Um, but let me play a couple more things. That way I won't have to take a break between Jessica and Mike, and I can just chat with you guys. So let's go. Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try. Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. So if you've never tried a lesson or got discouraged in your training and quit for any reason, this book can help you. Don't be a rope pilot who just follows procedures. Be a thinking pilot who makes great decisions, who understands all the reasons why we do what we do. You can incorporate these principles into your own flight training at any time. The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Pankless Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. Well, that sounds good. Even better. Okay, how about your car? If you want the best service for your vehicle, please talk to James at Florida Stores Automotive, conveniently located at 6715 Caroline Street in the historic district of Milton, Florida, right between the Milton Bakery and the Blackwater Trail. Whether you need an oil change or an entire engine replaced, this is the place. The phone number is 850-623-6651. That's 850-623-6651. Call, ask questions, and get the information you need. Florida Stores Automotive is a full-service automotive shop for both domestic and imports, modern and classic. It is a family-owned business here in our Milton community. Open weekdays from 7.30 to 5 p.m., Florida Stars Automotive is a convenient place to keep your car maintained and on the road. Ask them about Firestone Tires and the rotation and maintenance plan. Florida Stars Automotive. I go there. You should, too. Do you know your way around healthcare, insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments and choices? I don't, which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Great Care, and now as an affiliate of Great Care, we are proud to offer through our discount code, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws, a 10% discount. Great Care saves you both time and money. They provide medical advocacy, consultation, advice, and recommendations nationwide. Their website is greatcare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H care.com. You can email them at greatcare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Great Care, better health 
through better knowledge and advocacy. Action Radio, part of the ADHD Radio Network, the ultimate free speech zone. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed and have the power through juries to nullify the laws by which we do not consent to be governed. At Action Radio, we don't report the news. We are the news. Every other show reports what has happened. We talk about what can happen. From the questions no one has thought to ask, to the answers no one has thought to consider, to the actions no one has dared to take. That is Action Radio. See, I knew she'd call on time, uh, which is great. So I just uh, uh, sent a quick message, but uh, Jessica's here. So let's uh, announce her as we announce all our new guests um, with our, our guest of the day drum roll. And this is for our guest of the day, Jessica Rivera. So it's kind of cool that uh, Facebook has this thing where you can kind of look around and find interesting people. And this is how I find some of the most interesting people for the show. And so we started uh, messaging and um, became Facebook friends and talked about stuff. And the fact that Jessica is a journalist uh, and was with um, – oh, let me scroll up here and get my, my correct uh, thing. Uh, America's – where did I put it? I can't believe it. That's how disorganized I am. I need a producer. <laughs> anyway. Um, so America's, where did I put it? Here we go. Nope. Nope. I still can't find it. Where? Ah, this is so embarrassing. There we go. America's voice news or real America's voice. We'll figure it out. Just so that let me make her line live. Welcome her to the show. Now that I've embarrassed myself completely. Hi, Jessica. Good morning. How you doing? Hi, good morning. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. It's going to be a good, a good chat. I, I know you have lots of questions and I have some questions for you too, Greg. Oh, good. Well, this is the nice thing about having a journalist uh, on the show, so I can actually uh, – because I, I, I get to ask too many of them. Not as many people ask me questions, um, which, is, uh, which is too bad because it's kind of fun. Let's give you a round of applause. Yeah. There we go. Now, I, I have – this is the problem when I have a lot of notes. So I tend to uh, – I guess a lot of people do over-prepare. And I was looking for America's Voice News and Real America's Voice. Are they mm-hmm. the same organization? Are they two different ones? Did they change their title? Um, yes. So, yeah, America's Voice News was originally um, around two, 2019 um, was the company I knew um, had purchased or was now in charge of it uh, or at that time. Mm-hmm. That was America's Voice News. And then I feel like about a year and a half later, maybe a year and a half later or so, yeah, they changed to Real America's Voice and that's kind of where they're at. But it's one and the same kind of synonymous um, people use both. Okay. So tell me about them uh, and then tell me what, what you were, uh, what was your position there? So how'd they get started? Who are they? And are they, how are they different from maybe other news organizations? Yeah. So Real America's Voice, um, I started with them back in 2019, but the umbrella, they're under the umbrella of another um, uh, company that people may know, uh, Weather Nation TV but they run separately. They're run by the same company, but completely separate. Obviously, one's weather, one's politics. Um, So I had worked on the weather side for quite a few years, took some time off, came back, 
uh, I took some time off to have my son. I came oh, back and they offered me reason. a side on the political. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, you know, it was a year and a half. And I think mm-hmm. it was really, um, obviously, uh, I, I'm lucky to be able to have done that. Um, but it was time for me to get back into work. So I was going to mm-hmm. get back into the weather side of things. Um, and the offer was given to me to kind of, you know, head up um, or kind of do some of the journalism research, uh, things like that for the political side, which at that time mm-hmm. I was not interested in because <laughs> politics oh, is a okay. very different I'm curious. Animal. Well, yeah. politics and weather? No, they're they're both the same. They're both predictions, and they're usually wrong. <laughs> What's yeah, the difference? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess, I guess, you know what? I guess you're right on that. Um, yeah. So the, the, you know, I kind of fell into it. Um, hated it in the beginning, and then mm. as soon as about three months or so, um, mm-hmm. I thought to myself, why did I not get into politics sooner? Like, I am in love with it. Um, there's just something about politics that is just so, for me, is interesting. There's always something going on, as we all know. Um, it's the best game in town. It's the most fun. It's it the craziest. Is. It's the most unpredictable. People think, I hate politics. I don't like watching politics. It's messy. And we're like, well, that's the whole point. You know, if, if in a communist country, politics is boring, you know, because the leaders keep yes. rolling. They, they, they spent their whole yes. lives there. Their sons and their sons and then their sons. Look at Kim Jong-il, as I call him, in the... Uh, yeah. Uh, North Korea. You know, he's what the third of the Ugh family <laughs> or the Kim family. Mm-hmm. You know, nothing, yeah, nothing and, exciting there. <laughs> yeah, when you really get to know American politics, um, it's so interesting. I, uh, what interested me the most is that I don't under, um, I don't think. I mean, I think mm-hmm. Americans are very smart uh, people, but I don't think. Americans truly understand today how much power they really, really have and that they're not using. Oh, you're speaking of the right person because <laughs> I've created the citizen <laughs> legislature. You are in the right place at the right time, darling. This is perfect. Um, I, I agree with you. And I thought this for a long time. Americans are not stupid, as people think. They are ignorant of certain things on purpose. They are kept ignorant. They are kept ignorant in school by not being taught, you know, our basic founding documents. Uh, I didn't really learn the founding documents because um, I'm an immigrant. I came here when I was 12 years old um, from Canada to Australia to the United States. So I grew up in three different countries. Very interesting experience. Um, but the thing is that my real appreciation for this country came about not because of my school, but because of my citizenship test, because I had to go through the citizenship process. I memorized the Bill of Rights. I learned a lot of the Constitution. You know, I learned, I mean, I read several times our Declaration of Independence. We still read it on the show every July 4th. Join us for that. You might want to do that. You know, we, yeah, however many people there are, to. I just divide it up. And, and the more people, the, you might only get one line. You might get a whole paragraph. just depends on how many people mm-hmm. uh, want to read. But uh, it's, 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 it's something different when you actually read it. You know, it's a completely different it experience. It is. And, you know, it is very, you're obviously right. You're talking from experience. And um, in the well, that's, that's uh, public no school system, <laughs> <laughs> well, in the public school system, you're right. right. They've, mm-hmm. I mean, that's not taught anymore. Um, people have no clue about how our government truly, truly works um, as a young person. And I think a lot of people just have a very trusting, I think a lot of Americans have a very trusting um, way about them. So they mm-hmm. figure that they vote these people in. Uh, these people are, you know, in line with their politics or so they think and they kind of just leave it up to them instead of following through and making sure and keeping them accountable um and i think that's where 
uh, a lot of Americans fail. But yeah, as far as your citizenship test, I mean, mm-hmm. you've taken it, you understand, you knew what you had to study, mm-hmm. would would given and taught to high school kids or, you know, school age kids. Do you think that's too much to ask? <laughs> no, not at all. No, in fact, we actually have a bill exactly. uh, similar to that. In fact, uh, we don't have one. If you want to write one, uh, that'd be great. Uh, so we'll get you legislating. So this is so we're, none of us here are journalists. We're all advocates. And so a lot of uh-huh. people say, do you call yourself you call yourself a journalist? I say, hell no, I don't call myself a journalist. I'm an advocate. <laughs> this show's about yeah. advocacy. Yeah, yeah. This show has nothing. Journalism died when the left and the media merged into a fascist mm-hmm. entity. That's when journalism died. Um, I have so many questions for you. Uh, let's, let's, let's get more of your story, though. So college, journalism, before that, high school, yearbook. I mean, where, where did you start? And what, what's your story in journalism? Yeah. Take so, your time. Um, we got an hour. I, <laughs> yeah. I know. So, yeah, so in college, I, um, my degree, I graduated with communications, a minor in broadcast journalism, and mm-hmm. I was so excited I did my final paper exam on um, Oprah, and you know I was oh, so. Oh, oh, wait a minute! No, know, stop right it, there! It, stop right there! I want to hear. I want to hear it, your theme. What was? Tell me about this report. What did you? What did you write about? Well, with Oprah? you know, um, my my theme was at the time, and I mean, still to this day, I can say it. Of course, I'm not a big advocate or supporter of her necessarily. Um, I've grown okay. up, but <laughs> I <laughs> that, think that's okay. <laughs> for people to say that. Uh, uh, the paper was more on how somebody can come from nothing and become um, something in the journalism world at the time or in news or in, um, you know, because she, obviously we all kind of know her backstory now, but uh, she had originally gotten into radio and news, mm-hmm. TV news, and then she kind right. of expanded from there. So that was kind of where uh, my paper had gone. So, you know, I graduated from there. Um, I was interning at a local I'm originally from Los Angeles, so I was interning at a uh, local station um, that used to cover um, a, a large part of Orange County, mm-hmm. and um, then I would freelance and do stuff uh, for Los Angeles stations, whether that's a red carpet, whether that was like um, little shows here and there, hosting. What's a red carpet? So I ca- uh, okay. Red carpet was, you know, Los Angeles. Obviously, there were plenty of award shows going on all the time. Oh, and I see so what at you're the time, okay, gotcha. Yeah, I know. What yes, you, know. you right. could you could be a, a, red, a red carpet yeah. reporter, make a oh. really decent amount of money. Um, it was fun uh, to kind of see these people, but I had no interest in becoming um, a reporter or you know wanting to do anything in entertainment. Surprisingly, because I think a lot of people in that area, that's kind of what they want to do. I really had no interest in that. I really wanted to do news at the time. Yeah, entertainment reporting is kind of weird. You're reporting on people that act and pretend to be other people. <laughs> this is, you know, this, there's it's nothing very real about true. it. So, very you know, true. So we don't award the people that do the heroic acts. We, are, we reward the people that pretend to be the people who do the heroic acts. That always intrigued me. Absolutely. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's, it's a fake one. And of course, mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. LA, it kind of comes with the you know territory. So I did a little bit of that, and I kind of you know got my feet wet in a bunch of different areas, and then I realized you know I, I'm going to stick with news. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what I did. I reported, um, and then we had a show, and I did some sports anchoring, things of that nature. You've done everything. Um, you've you've done it yeah, all. Yeah, I've kind of done a news sports I, and I weather. Did good. Quite a bit. 
Uh-huh. Um, but what I realized very probably about the first year going into um, reporting and uh, or being a quote unquote journalist at the time was that uh-huh. I realized it you don't get a lot of decision making in your stories. Uh-huh. Um, and I started to realize the who was doing favors for who, um, what could be covered, what couldn't be covered. And for example, the station that I had worked for, um, we covered Disney. And I don't know if anybody really understands how Disney works, but I'm in Disney Florida. Basic, we, understand, we understand Disney. <laughs> yes. So, okay. So you, then you understand in that area, right. Disney yep. runs kind of everything. So, oh, yeah. There was always a story going on with Disney or something around the area, right? For uh-huh. the locals. Uh-huh. But the thing is, is that if there was a negative story that was coming out or something questionable about Disney, Mm -hmm. absolutely Mm -hmm. not going to be covered. And you start to realize, okay, I understand they're very big and, but we can't ask questions. Um, Same thing with, you know, when there were locals, local government uh, representatives that were, you know, being questioned about something. We we had to ask if we could cover it or not. We were told yes or no. well, who made the decision? And it was just a, who was making these decisions? Our news director at the time. And who and was his boss or her boss? Who who made their decisions? Basically, the city, right? Because the, the local station. Yeah. So you're you are reporting, and I understood it to a certain degree. Okay. But then I kind of questioned. Well, then why is there not a separation of that so that we could clearly cover um, what really sometimes needed to be covered. You know, there's not always going to be car accidents and, you know, car, you know, things of that kind of news all the time. Sometimes there are going to be locals that are being questioned about such and such. Um, The Orange County Lake Sheriff at the time, there was a big scandal going on. Um, It had to be reported from a certain angle. And so that's when I really started to learn um, mm-hmm. about the bias. And this was years ago. But I, I remember thinking to myself, I don't know if I made the right decision <laughs> in getting into this. Um, but at that point, I, I still enjoyed it. I just thought, well, maybe it's like this just here. Um, <laughs> but come to find Guess out, it only gets bigger. It only gets bigger and more yeah. in-depth with, uh, yeah. with the bias, as we all know. What do you think about Tucker Carlson and Fox? Let me just sort of diverge for a second here. No, um, you know, obviously I think I'm with the majority of people. I think Fox made a huge mistake. Uh, what their decision was completely based on, I don't know. Um, have they kind of lost a lot in the decision that they have made? Yes. But do I really think Tucker is going to suffer too much? No. Um, I think, if anything, this has really boosted his career, not that his career needed a boost necessarily, um, but I definitely think uh, he has a lot of followers, and I think Fox is kind of really realizing that. Um, but as far as Okay, let's get Tucker deeper into himself, this. Yeah, let's huh? get deeper into this. I want to get deeper into this. So, so me, I always like to look for motivations. So if, if Fox is willing to lose a major portion of their audience, what is the motivation? And what does it say about journalism? You know, so why why do this? 
We know it's stupid. We know they're not mm-hmm. stupid. They may be corrupt Marxist, you know, uh, Rupert Murdoch supporting globalists. Mm-hmm. which probably are. So they're not stupid. Mm-hmm. So they did this for a reason. So what do you think was worth it to get rid of Tucker Carlson? What, what, what made this worthwhile? Um, so my thought, and obviously this is completely my opinion. I have nothing to back this up. But okay, I that's really what we do, do here. Don't worry about it. <laughs> as long as it's <laughs> your opinion, ownership. you can say anything I you think want. it's an educated yeah. guess, though. Um, okay. I think that Fox's ownership, um, mm-hmm. obviously it's a family, and I mm-hmm. think um, Murdoch's, his children, who are going to be taking over, from what I understand, are much more liberal. I think there might be one in there that's a little more on the conservative side. Mm-hmm. But... And so I think what they're trying to do is they're trying to appease who they want to appease, which is they want to become possibly an MSNBC. Um, They want to become somebody who they think is really going to have half, you know, conservatives, half um, liberals on a show. But what they don't understand is Fox is Fox. I think, you know, CNN is CNN. MSNBC is MSNBC. They've been around way too long for people to really think that they're going to make a major change. And my thought is the viewers at MSNBC, CNN, Fox, they're the viewers because they like a certain person. Um, I think it's mm. the audience is of a certain age that okay. it's not necessarily the young people, but it's people who are invested and very loyal to a station. And I think the, the Fox um, ownership, I believe has made this change thinking that they're going to in some way kind of like this woke idea that they're going to actually come out on top when in actuality, obviously we can all see they've shot themselves in the foot. Um, Now, will they go back on it? Of course not to save face. Um, They're probably going to try and do what they can. um, But what they've lost is what they've lost. And if they think they're going to get CNN viewers or MSNBC viewers, I think they're incorrect in thinking that because those people are going to stay where they're comfortable and what they like. You understand? Because Fox well, is, yeah, there already is an MSNBC, so why would you copy them? I mean, it's like when the exactly. Republicans try to be Demo- mm-hmm. Republicans try to be Democrats and they try to be you know congenial and mm-hmm. and and generous with our tax money, and, and everybody knows they're still Republicans. So. You become a Democrat or, or become a Republican, but trying to walk both, call yourself a Republican, act like a Democrat. Um, you know, the, the term rhino, which we've uh, modified. We don't call them mm-hmm. rhinos anymore here at Action Radio. We call them transgender Democrats. Oh, okay. <laughs> you can use that or not. Haven't heard that one, but okay. <laughs> well, of course not. I'm, I'm the one who made it up. You know, we also call, exactly. uh, we call yeah. January 6th the, the Capitol Hill Invitational Walk-In. Um, okay. Okay. If I said uh, Dr. Fascist, would you know who I'm talking about? Yes, I do. Okay. So that's his that name, the, right? The um, highest so, paid person in government. Mm-hmm. How about uh, Kevin McDeepstate? Kevin McDeepstate. Kevin McCarthy. You like that name? Yes. yes yeah. Okay. Yes, and, yes, uh, yes. and of course, Illegal Brandon. He used to be just Brandon, but now I want to label him Illegal Brandon because he's an illegal president. 
the election was stolen. Yeah. So we're pretty blunt about this stuff okay. here. I shouldn't say we, it's me. I'm pretty blunt about this stuff. Everybody else is too. <laughs> I, uh, just to get back to what you were saying before, I think you've got a really good analysis. I think you've you know, a really good handle on this. And this is a, it shows you've got years of journalism. And I really appreciate your insights into what's going on here. Because it's not just, we know it's a stupid decision, but, but why, why mm-hmm. you know, I don't think of uh, you know, people as being stupid so much as being devious. You know, because they're not. The people don't rise to the, the levels that they rise in major media, major corporations, or major positions in Congress mm-hmm. because they're idiots. They do it because they're sneaky, you know, devious and lie. And you know, and in some ways, I think Congress is, is almost bordering on uh, on a psychopathy of, of of obsession, of addiction to spending. I'm going to be exploring that a little bit too. Um, you mentioned mm-hmm. age. Do, do you know what what age listeners are for, say, Fox, CNN, uh, Newsmax, One American News? Is, or, I'm just is it like one age I, for all of them or is there a different just for different No, um I would I would think that they're probably more of the baby boomers. Um and for, which one, for Fox? Yeah, like for CNN's, um hmm. Fox those I would think and the reason why I say that is because, like I said, I don't I don't have statistics in front of me. I don't look at their ratings or anything. No, like but you got good good insights. But, I mean, you don't have to be but exact. But you can. But you know, younger generations, mm-hmm. they get their news off their phones, off apps. Um, they're not going right. to really sit and watch a whole show. That's not really um, how the younger generation has been taught to consume news or consume mm-hmm. any sort of information. Um, yeah. It's in tidbits. It's very small. It's very, as we could say, very like a meme. Uh, if you could, if dumbed you could down. Say, it, it has <laughs> to I be yes. It has to be Simplistic. very dumbed down, um, yeah. and only for attention, really. Not because they're mm-hmm. really dumb. It's it's a, attention span is not there. So mm-hmm. for people to actually for them to get ratings from a beginning of a show to an end of a show, or loyal viewers, it has to really be somebody who has that mindset and that's what they want. They want to hear, you know, a, a whole in, uh, interview. They want to hear um, the back and forth on a topic. Um, and to me, that's more baby boomers um, and, you know, the generation after. I would say anybody from about nine, definitely 2000s, they're not. Those are not the viewers that they're that are. Um, well, I have any there might span. be a hand a yeah. handful, but um, not really. And so that's the reason why I think the the change that Fox has made is I think hmm. they're probably trying to appeal to a younger audience, but that's never going to be the way <laughs> the younger generations consume yeah. information and news. I, I just don't believe that that's the, the way it's going to go. Interesting. We have a three-hour show here, and occasionally uh-huh. I have guests for two hours. Like I had Catherine Arnett, <clears throat> excuse me, the Marine who they keep trying to court-martial mm-hmm. for not taking the jab, yes. and they keep trying to kick her out, and she doesn't want to leave the Marines. She just wants to uh, you know, have her rights, and uh, you know, the experimental jab is illegal for the military to give anyway. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, that, but we get sometimes the last guest that was on for two hours was Roger Roots talking about uh, mm. how the states can take all the federal land. He was the one who defended the Bundys and just defended uh, Stuart Rhodes. Stuart Rhodes, when uh, Johnson Mosley, our legal reporter and attorney, uh, was working with Stuart, called the twice from the Oklahoma federal prison. He called Jonathan on his phone. Jonathan put it on the show. So we were I was talking to yep. Stuart Rhodes live directly in prison. I mean, this is the kind of stuff we do around here. Um, 
do you have an, an investigative reporter background at all? Do you have any major investigations that uh, I do not. You want to talk about? I'll tell you why I didn't get into that is because okay. I'd already seen the way things had gone um, mm. with just being a reporter. I thought investigation. I mean, they're going to tell you, uh, you know, you're never you're going to say you're investigating something, but are you really going to have the the freedom to investigate truly? Um, but worked with a lot of really great investigative reporters, hats off to them. I think they don't get enough notoriety for the work that they do because they are literally usually starting from nothing. (laughs) There's no story. You know what I mean? It's just like a a question, um, which is very difficult to build on. Um, and lots of people don't want to talk to you. Uh, so no, I personally don't. Um, but I, you know, it's, I think the investigative journalism side of things has really, um, I would say, is more than, I mean, maybe in local news there might be a little bit, but I I think it's kind of gone away. Hmm. Well, I was just reading some stuff from Julie Kelly in American Greatness, and her reporting is is Mm -hmm. fabulous. Um, Some other folks, Laura Loomer. Uh, some mm-hmm. other people come to oh, mind. Yeah, there's, there's another who's there's another woman that uh, speaks with a, an accent. I've forgotten her name, um, but there's a couple of really good reporters out there. Uh, Alex Berenson, uh, mm-hmm. Matt Taibbi, some of the other folks, especially the ones that have been hauled up, you know, in front of Congress. There's some great journalists out there. Well, are you working currently in reporting now or, or journalism now? I'm not um, currently. Um, so I parted ways with Real America's Voice uh, about a year and a half ago. Um, Uh just kind of decided that it was just, you know, there were some decisions management-wise that were being made that I didn't agree with any longer. And so we kind of just decided to part ways. Um, And then I kind of really questioned if I wanted to stay in the business. Uh, Uh I have these moments, you know, when you leave certain things and you kind of just realize, you know, it's more of the, um, you know, layers being peeled back and you're just like, do I really make a difference? How, How much... Where could I make a difference? I think when you get into this business, you really wonder, how could I help this group more than what I'm doing? Um, So at this point, I I think I've decided, and I've decided a while ago, that I wanted to stay in business. So it's funny that you ask, though, because stay in the business. It's funny that you ask because as of right now, I probably would not have been able to do this interview had plans actually worked out. Uh, long story short is I ended up getting a position with a local Colorado Springs station. Oh, okay, um, good. Congratulations. Signed, yeah, signed, well, signed two contracts. And then uh-huh. before I'm about to start, um, they decide that they kind of want my political stuff to be kind of erased from social and kind of oh, it's so not okay you, anymore. They want you to be a fluff reporter. Yeah, and so to me, uh-huh. you know, I thought about it long and hard with my agent, right. and most everybody's answer was just appease them. You have a three-year contract. It's a really That's good not my position. answer. <laughs> and, <laughs> something completely different for you. <laughs> exactly, and it was tempting, okay. believe me. But uh-huh. I thought to myself, this is principle. I came in telling you where I came from. I came uh-huh. in, you saw my reel, you saw my resume. <laughs> I mean, there was no other, I don't know how much more I could have told you that I came from a conservative political background and you were okay with it. To me, it's principle. Um, And so I just basically told them that it was not, you know, as as much respect. It just wasn't something I was willing to do. Um, And so they 
pulled the contract. And that's just kind of where we were at. And, you know, and How long it, ago was this? It, it really, I'm just curious. Like, it was like probably yesterday? about a month. <laughs> uh, well, I should have been um, working for them as of this month, starting in May. But, okay, gotcha. Um, <clears throat> that didn't work. <laughs> so, well, you know, and that was just well, another, an, yeah. another big thing um, that mm-hmm. started me questioning again. Like, is this, like, this is going to continue to happen. And um, so as of right now, to answer your original question, I'm not mm-hmm. working right now, but um, I will be doing some stuff with Right Side Broadcasting Network, which I'm pretty sure you have heard of. Oh, yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. And, yes. And so I'm going to be helping them out, um, hopefully, throughout the election season um, and kind of see where that goes. And I'm really excited for the opportunity. And um, I'll be covering, as of right now, I'll be covering um, President Trump's speech at the Georgia Republican Convention, which is next weekend. Wow. Okay. Well, that's, uh, see, I had an idea for you. And I didn't, this is what I want to ask you. Okay. You know, I, had a, I, I usually have a reason for every, everything that I ask. Um, what I was, <laughs> uh-huh. what I was, what I was kind of like a lawyer, actually, in some ways. What I was thinking, <laughs> if you weren't working, uh, I had a feeling I was going to get along with you really well and like what you had to say. And I was absolutely right. Um, and so I was thinking, if you were between jobs or, or anything like that, mm-hmm. if you wanted to be a regular reporter here, um, half an hour, an hour a week, if this time was good, you could literally report on anything that you wanted to. You would have complete freedom to say anything that you wanted to say. You could say when you're speculating, when it's opinion, when you've got facts, when you can prove something, when yeah. you can't. You can put theories together. You can do anything you want. You can even send us videos. I have an action radio video page uh, until you find you know, something else. Because uh, yeah. you know, we're, all, we're all volunteers here until we get a big break because we are completely suppressed yeah. by big tech. Um, but if you want to do that, oh, yeah. you're welcome to. And just uh, and now, but if you're with Right Side Broadcasting, I don't know if that's going to be a conflict or anything like that. I mean, obviously talk to them, um, but that that mean, that brings up another possibility that maybe you can help us out here at Action Radio and start talking about citizen well, legislation. Go ahead. <laughs> well, what a nice surprise! I appreciate it. Um, I'll have mm-hmm. to afterwards. Think about it. Um, yeah, yeah, think about it. But you know no what's rush. so nice, and, and actually that you kind of bring it up. Yeah, as you were saying, a conflict of interest. Um, mm-hmm. What I've noticed is when you get into a more liberal Democrat um, organization, mm-hmm. they want to own everything. They want to own mm. you. They want to own everything. And I understand that that's somewhat how this business works. But I've also had the enjoyment and the experience that with Real America's Voice, for instance, um, mm-hmm. Right Side Broadcasting, You know, they're very, of course, they have their legal papers that everybody has to sign, like any other company, no disclosures. Mm -hmm. But they're very open to you just working as you see fit, as long as it's not, you know, they they don't want to own you. They're not trying to, you know, anything that you do is theirs and, you know, you can only work for us and da 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 da. It's a very open community, I want to say. Mm. Um, and it's very interesting because they really like people to kind of, you know, get information out, however that is. 
whereas they don't see it that way on the other side. It is not that way at all. So, But that's the whole mindset. But, but going back to your offer, I appreciate it, and yeah. I'm going to have to really – I'll think about it, and I'll definitely – obviously, we'll talk after this. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, and like I said, <laughs> there's no schedule here. There's no rush. There's uh, – yeah. you know, again, un- until I, I become a major corporation, which I fully intend to be, um, mm-hmm. you know, I want to merge – I want to create – I actually create a new category um, called a conservative news advocate. And so a conservative mm-hmm. news advocate – would be somebody who reports a story uh, and then offers a solution. And many times that solution is going to be citizen legislation. So I'm not completely, you know, unbiased or or, uh, unmotivated here. But um, it might be all kinds of other solutions, too, because nobody ever does that. See, the left, they have a narrative. You know, they will tell you a story as they see fit. They will give you the facts to support their narrative, and they will tell you what to think about it. Well, we should have something, you know, not, not exactly like that, but conservatives. Why can't conservatives report solutions? Like I started calling, remember that, I think I tagged you in my post, calling the national debt bill the national death bill. What did I say exactly about Yeah, that? absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And um, oh. obviously we saw that the debt ceiling had been passed and mm-hmm. raised. And I don't, I don't know if anybody really questioned if that was going to go through. Um, but, you know, Normally, I would say, well, of course, you know, you don't want things to shut down. You don't want this. You don't want that because that's how they sell it to you. When in actuality, it, it need at some point, at some point, it has to stop. Now, what that point is, I don't know necessarily because I think Capitol Hill has gotten so intertwined in corruption uh-huh. that I don't really know who's going to be able to really unravel that um, completely. We can. We can. Uh, (laughs) I have a solution. I mean, definitely. Absolutely. (laughs) It can be done. That's not – the question isn't if it can be. It's just who's going to be that person. I think there's a lot of people um, that want to. I think they have good intentions when they get to Capitol Hill, and they think they're going to make this big difference, and, and it's great. But then I think they just get sucked into the whole, you know, being bought out, really, when it comes down <laughs> yeah. to it. Well, they, uh, and here's something I don't think people realize when they go to Congress. You don't mm-hmm. serve your, your constituents anymore. You serve your party. Mm-mm. And I mm-hmm. would actually, I'm thinking, of a, I'm thinking of a bill that would actually outlaw membership in a party uh, during the time people are running for office and serving in office. Mm-hmm. Now, afterwards, of course, I don't want to stop free speech. But if you're, it's a conflict of interest to me to belong to a party that can pick the majority, can pick the speaker, that decides how people will vote. They're not representing themselves, mm-hmm. their, their constituents. They're, they're being told how to vote. That's why you have a vote-along party line. Well, if you didn't have a party, you wouldn't have a vote-along party line. You wouldn't have a speaker of the majority party because people could vote independently. It would all be secret ballot. Mm-hmm. You know? And the committee chairs wouldn't all be by seniority by the majority party. Um, but the party gives the campaign funds. The party decides to primary you. The party gives us... Mm-hmm the candidates we can choose from as opposed to independent people deciding to run. So the parties are the most dangerous political entities in this country today with the Democrats being the most dangerous followed closely by the Republicans. So the party is the problem and they don't realize that going in. Well, what do you think? Tell me about it. Well, and I I think, well, you hit it right on the nose. I mean, exactly. Um, And for instance, uh, when I was at real America's voice, um, myself and my co-host Terrence, Mm -hmm. we had a, um, we were doing a morning show. Um, it was a one hour. It had gone to a two hour, but it, mostly it was a one hour show that we wrote. Uh, and it was basically a very, um, we had different, him and I had different political views, absolutely mm-hmm. opposite. 
But what was so nice about it is Real America's Voice of Management, they did not um, tell us what we could and could not cover. Um, we covered as we saw fit. Um, if they saw a problem with it, then, of course, they took it up with you, but that really had never happened with us. Um, and we kind and you of always gave, make corrections. If something's wrong, you can make a correction. And we did. When I we screw did. up, that's what I we, do. Yeah, I said, hey, I, I do excuse what I was wrong. Absolutely, you do. When yeah. you don't have all mm-hmm. the information uh, mm-hmm. and something comes back, and you really follow through with your viewers. So yeah. with that being said, it was. A, I thought the show was so good in the sense that it wasn't so much a Republican versus Democrat as much as it was, okay, here's the issue. You you agree that your party or how you view is not completely perfect. I agree that the party that I vote with is not completely perfect. But what's like the middle ground that the average American can trust and like where, you know, we, we would try to give them both sides of the story, which I really, really liked because I don't think that that is how um, a lot of news is now or you know, I guess you could call it news, um, yeah. information well, that's given yeah, it's, to people. It's, uh, it's very it's one-sided, it, yeah. obviously yeah. we know. Yeah. But if you take the um, the Republican versus Democrat as left versus right, that's an incredibly narrow mm-hmm. band on the political spectrum. We actually graph liberty. I work with a woman, uh, Jen Clark, in Australia. Uh, we wrote an Australian uh-huh. Bill of Rights, which I think is fascinating uh, in some of the things that we came up with. And it took about three months to put this together. Um, but one uh-huh. of the things we did was we actually graph liberty. And so liberty, mm-hmm. if freedom is, and you can see it on every, every uh, show, I had this slide, and the freedom's on the, uh, the vertical axis, and tyranny's on the left, and uh, anarchy's on the right of the horizontal axis. Uh, horizontal axis. And we actually you know, put liberty as a place you know, somewhere right of, of center. So, but the Democrat and Republican Party are both decidedly left of center, much closer to tyranny, than they are to liberty, uh, which is really quite interesting. So to me, my political spectrum is the full spectrum, from absolute tyranny on the left to absolute anarchy on the right. And, and so I think we just operate in too narrow band and the parties do that on mm-hmm. purpose because they're so close that you're not really studying a whole lot. So the middle ground between the Democrats and the Republicans to me is an extremely narrow band of, of political thought. So my middle ground is uh, the founding fathers are actually to the right of center. Um, Democrat Republicans, to the left of center, they're much closer to, you know, Stalin, Mao, Hitler, you know, those people, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of interesting. I want to, give you a chance to ask me questions, but I want to just have one more for you. Uh, getting back okay. to conservative news, uh, conservative news advocates. So if I were doing this, if I were working for another company uh, and I reported on the national death bill, <laughs> you know, I would say, mm-hmm. however, however, there is a bill that could solve this, you know, by this, you know, crazy guy in this radio station in, uh, you know, Milton, Florida, to actually have a constitutional amendment that would remove the power of Congress to borrow money, not only solving this debt crisis, but solving all debt crises. Crises, excuse me. It would remove inflation forever. It would stop the printing of money. I've improved it. So mm-hmm. it would also ban central banks. That would take out the Fed and any CBDC. Uh, it would remove, if Congress controls the money, that would remove any possible control by a foreign organization, world government, or anything like that, or any other banking consortium, anything else Congress does, because the money would be controlled by Congress. It's actually deceptively simple. It's like three lines. Mm-hmm. It would do all those things. It would get us our freedom back, our money back. Uh, it would transfer wealth from the Fed and the government. Uh, instead of inflation, it would create deflation, which is, which is the, the savior of all this. So deflation, the money increases in value. That way you, mm-hmm. it takes fewer dollars to buy things. You know, if you can buy for $3 what $5 buys today, you've got $2 to buy other things. That transfers money from the Fed and from the government back to the people. Deflation is the cure to inflation. 
And yet that's mm-hmm. demonized because they, they know. You know, the idea that 2% money, 2% of our money goes to the Fed so that we, uh, we have to borrow more money to, to get the things we want, houses, cars, boats, whatever. You know, I mean, that's crazy. But if it's deflation, then our money gets more valuable, fewer loans, we buy more stuff, have a better standard of living, and banks can figure out what to do as money gets worth more money. Anyway, what did you think of uh, – did you get a chance to take a look at that? I know it's kind of short notice because we talked about I did. I did. I did. What do you think? And so there were these – you know, the improved constitutional amendment to end the borrowing, which you just talked about. You also mm-hmm. had the vaccine manufacturers to be liable – civilly liable and then and the big tech censorship now in all three of them Mm -hmm. i want to ask you individually but in all three of them please what was so interesting to me Mm -hmm. (laughs) what a concept you're my new best friend you know that you really are (laughs) i'm having a great time the rationale um the rationale in everything Mm -hmm. in the writings um the uh it's common sense and it's so, it's because I was reading him and I'm like, okay, this is like, it's the rationale is like nothing new. It's what I think any American on either whatever political party, you would read the rationale and you would say, of course, this is how it should be. This is completely common sense. Jen, when I was looking at these bills, and you can tell me individually, um, uh-huh. is how is how are these not already stipulations in these um, with these concerns like how is this not already happening that I guess because I think that's any a American, really good any, question uh, I'll have to exactly. give you a big, I so, don't know because I've tried everything I could to make them happen so so just to give mm-hmm. you a quick history of action radio mm-hmm. uh, those are three of my bills uh, they're not all written by me but obviously a lot of them mm-hmm. are because I, I'm the one who mm-hmm. created the system of citizen legislation so all our bills have three basic components it has a rationale or an introduction in other words why we want this bill uh, we post the current law, if there is one. Mm-hmm. Uh, if not, we just add it. Uh, and then we post our proposed law to change it, amend it, remove it, or whatever we're going to do. Um, if you look at our, our bill to uh, ban um, drug advertising, that was with a listener mm-hmm. and Dr. Judy Mikovits. They kind of wrote that both on the air. That's a fascinating show. Um, but it's written very simply because the laws are actually fairly simple. It's the volume of laws that, uh, that goes crazy. And the mm-hmm. lawyers and the judges have convinced people that they will never understand the law, that it has to be left to lawyers and judges. It's like that old Star Trek episode. You can't read that. Those mm-hmm. are the sacred words. Well, yeah, we can because it says we the people. Well, that's us. Mm-hmm. So I figured, so me, me and my crazy uh, ideas, I figured, well, it, you know, it can't be that hard if lawyers do it. Um, because I remember working with a lawyer in a government uh, agency, and he wasn't the brightest person in the world. Uh, and I thought, and I was actually writing stuff for him. <laughs> well, and I don't have a lot of yeah. Okay, I was so going to say, we're, you're probably yeah. helping him. Yeah, exactly. So I don't need a law degree to do this. Uh, and then I realized once I started looking at the laws themselves, and especially vaccine product liability is one of the biggest breakthroughs. I found there's only two places in law where it says vaccine manufacturers shall not be civilly liable. Well, that's easy to turn into. Vaccine manufacturers shall be fully liable. That's what, three words? <laughs> you know, yeah. So what I discovered is the hard part about writing laws is not um, that I have to write volumes and volumes of text and, and have you know, legal journals and scholars go over it. I just have to mm-hmm. find a place where I need to make the simple change. That's a simple mm-hmm. change. That's it. You just have to and find that I, sentence or those few words. Yeah, and I didn't know that when I started this. So once I discovered mm-hmm. that, I th- I've got the keys to the kingdom here. I get, I get the keys to the big door. <laughs> you know, I can go to the big table now. Mm-hmm. You know, I said, I know the secret. The secret is these people have been lying to everybody all these years. So I came out and do exactly what you said. I wrote a common sense rationale for mm-hmm. these bills. 
All right. I have a very simple solution. Uh, you look at uh, vaccine product liability. Well, let's take big tech because um, you're a journalist. You probably appreciate this one. Um, that, yes. uh, you look at what Congress is doing. Congress had hearings with uh, Facebook whistleblowers, which were, you know, hired by Facebook to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, they talked mm-hmm. antitrust legislation. They talked massive regulations. They talked, you know, millions of dollars. They talked about whole new agencies. And what do I do? Vaccine manufacturers, I mean, uh, excuse me, big tech has the same immunity mm-hmm. they have now under Section 230, which means what anybody does using what they call interactive computer services uh, does not mm-hmm. affect those who are providing interactive computer services, just like the phone company. If you threaten a public official on a phone line, they don't arrest AT&T. They arrest you. <laughs> you know, same, thing, same thing with this. If you say something that's, you know, if you libel, slander, or, or put, you know, worst case scenario, child porn or something on the Internet, they're going to arrest you. They're not going to arrest Facebook. Yeah. So they're immune from that because they're not publishers. And that I kept. But what I said was that that immunity from liability is conditional. It's conditional on them not touching anything anybody posts. They're not touching anybody's account, not touching anything in Messenger, not not, uh, arranging the search engines on on Google or DuckDuckGo or any of those things. If they do anything other than the raw number of hits for the search engines, if they touch an account, if they touch a post, if they touch a Messenger, if they touch anything on social media, that liability immunity is revoked and they can be sued. And it's the liability, just like big tobacco, just like big pharma, Mm -hmm. just like big tech. Liability is the key to freedom because it's the way that any person, regardless of income, wealth, property, or power, can hold the most powerful corporate and government entities, well, not so much government, but corporate entities, liable, Mm -hmm. and we can bring them to court. And so I thought, okay, I don't need the regulations. I don't need the antitrust. I don't need the millions of dollars. I don't need the new department. All I have to do is make their liability conditional in law, and it's self-regulating. The courts will take care of it. What I don't understand is why the national trial lawyers, which I've tried to contact many times, aren't on board spending millions of dollars lobbying for this bill because they would get billions of dollars in return. A bunch of idiots over there. But that's how Absolutely. simple it is. Okay. Go ahead. And, and, and that's what I thought. I, I thought, okay, this is like pretty simple. Um, mm-hmm. So then my next question would be, my next question would be, and I think a lot of Americans have this question, and this is why they don't trust anybody I don't think anymore um, mm-hmm. is because there's no follow through and there's no accountability. And so my question would be, so let's take the big tech censorship bill. Okay. So how long realistically in layman's mm-hmm. terms, okay, you have proposed this, mm-hmm. where does this get submitted? How long does the decision take and how long, if it was to be, changed, you know, into mm-hmm. um, this rationale that you have. Mm-hmm. When does that change take place? Things of that nature. I think it's the timeline. So how, how does that work with these um, propositions, these bills? Okay. Normally, the way legislation works, members of Congress and the state legislatures, they do not write their own laws mm-hmm. anymore. They haven't for decades. Mm-hmm. They're written by lobbyists, corporations, powerful interests, mm-hmm. foreign governments, things like that. They go from the mm-hmm. lobbyists to, say, Congress. They then buy their legislation from Congress. It goes to the president. president signs it. It goes to the regulatory agency, and the agency regulates us or gives special privilege to them. What I'm doing with Action Radio is reversing that process. So the bills start with we the people here at Action mm-hmm. Radio on our website, writeyourlaws.com. They then go to as many people as possible. So in order for this to work, and this is the part that's missing, um, it needs okay. to be from we the people by the millions, literally. For big pharma, it's going to take millions of people. Mm-hmm. 
sending our vaccine product liability bill to Congress and to media. It's going to take reporters like you, for example, reporting mm-hmm. on this bill, saying there is a bill mm-hmm. out here that stops big pharma, that holds them mm-hmm. accountable for all their injuries and deaths in the next pandemic, because you can't have ex post facto. You can't get them for what they've done, except by fraud and malpractice and things like that. But you can't do it by liability, because you know, liability is, doesn't exist right now. So what it's mm-hmm. up to is the people. It's up to the people and the media. So the people have to contact the media, like I'm doing now, and say, hey, can you report on this? And the media and the pollsters get in on it. And the only person who's reported on this bill, uh, and I can send you the recording, is Emerald Robinson of Lindell TV. She had me on uh, yes, a wild match yes, several months I ago. Do know, I do know Emerald. She's a great. Oh, Emerald's fabulous. Oh, yeah, she's wonderful. Yeah. yeah, so she had me on for five whole minutes, which was great. And that's TV, right? You know, you know it's not like mm-hmm. our, our radio show where we can talk forever. Um, but she went over the bill. She knew the bell, bill extremely well. I'm trying to get back on her show to talk about uh, mm-hmm. the big tech bill. And, of course, the big one now is Constitution, uh, constitutional amendment. I'm trying to get on Steve Bannett. Because he's been screaming, what are we going to do? This is, you know, we, there's, there's no hope. There's no solution. I'm like, Steve, I keep writing you and emailing you. you know, I, mm. I've given you the solution. So for me, my frustration is I've given the solution. Here it is. Now, what I can't do, I, we can do everything here. We can analyze the problem. We can look up the law. We can write the bill. The only thing we can't do is share the bill for millions of people. They have to do that themselves. Mm-hmm. So the best thing you can do and media can do is be conservative news advocates and report this bill. And there is a bill here at writeyourlaws.com. Here's the link. Send it to, you know, if you want, or say, it's just say it's available. If you want to be activist, depending on your station and what they'll let you do. Um, of course, me, I don't care. In what local, you because local, this local, local, national, none of this would I be mean, picked up on local ever. Um, well, so, I, wait I, a minute now. We have local bills. We have, we have, um, like, so we have a bill particularly, um, we have two illegal alien asset forfeiture bills. One is written for the county, Santa Rosa County here, which would apply to any mm-hmm. county. Uh, and we also yes. have a, a, a federal illegal alien asset forfeiture bill. See, here's another issue we can talk about sometime. So everybody thinks, and Trump analysis himself, I'm going to round up all the illegal aliens and send them home. Well, first mm-hmm. of all, it's terrible optics. Secondly, it's very expensive. Now, the, every illegal alien has an ITIN number. Clinton brought this in, the, mm-hmm. the uh, individual tax identification number, right? And mm-hmm. so yes. all you have to do is go to the IRS and, in, and throw a computer button and seize the assets and property of everybody with an ITIN number. We have to establish, establish that they're illegal aliens. But I don't, I don't know anybody that has an ITIN number that isn't an illegal alien, but that has to be checked because we don't want to take mm-hmm. property from American citizens without due process. With illegal aliens, they can't be here. They have no legal status, so you can take their property anytime mm-hmm. you want. That goes against the Supreme Court. I can explain that, too. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, um, but that kind of thing can be done. So that way you can seize the assets of millions of illegal aliens. And, of course, the rest of them are going to take off because they don't want their stuff taken. You know, so, so, mm-hmm. those, so they're alternatives. You know, people say, do you think outside the box? I said, I think like there is no box. So, so yeah. you know, the uh, conservatives, I call, what I call them is raising complaining to an art form. They don't want to do anything. And we've got the solutions. Well, and I think that is the issue, is the follow-through. So we see all this stuff with the Biden administration. We see all this stuff up on Capitol Hill. They've wasted time on TV showing us, you know, exactly the corruption. You know, so everybody Mm -hmm. sees it. But Mm -hmm. what is the follow-through? Nobody's getting in trouble. Nobody's being removed. Nobody, you know, it it happens on one side, but not the other. And so I Mm -hmm. think at this point, I think Americans are numb to what people are quote-unquote calling solutions. But I think obviously with what you're doing, uh, which is a, a different aspect of it, I think if it, if it becomes so, people really understand that, you know, it's not 
this big, enormous monster. We really do have the power mm-hmm. to change things, and this is mm-hmm. what we need to do. Um, I think once, yeah, people start realizing that, uh, I think it will be completely easy to just start getting them, you know, yep. getting things changed and uh, things working for the people. Mm-hmm. This is going to explode one day. Someday it's going to happen. And young people love action radio when they hear about it because it's interactive. Mm-hmm. It's not like talk radio, which people just sit and complain and yell and scream and nothing happens. They're conditioned to that. Exactly. Okay, that's why talk radio is dying. Talk radio, action radio basically makes talk radio obsolete. They don't know it yet, but we're like mm-hmm. the talking movies to silent films. So think of talk radio mm-hmm. as the silent movies, all right? Their days are numbered, but they haven't figured it out yet. So interactive mm-hmm. radio, action radio, the ability of anybody in the country to write legislation that might wind up on, on the real president's desk. You know, I'm hoping I've got mm-hmm. some, some connections with some of the Trump folks. I'm hoping to get a lot more, mm-hmm. but I want, I see a day when, when president Trump will call this show and there'll be a few listeners on the line and you can actually just talk to real people and we can work out bills together. I mean, the possibilities of this are staggering. Yeah, we're just absolutely. Beginning, we're only just beginning to see it. So you see it. So you've got vision. Okay. So a lot of people don't have vision. You have vision. You can see into the future. You can see things that other people don't see. That's why you wanted to be on the show. And I could tell that. And so because yeah, because of that vision, you're not like you said. I mean, and I think uh, anybody who has heard or listened to the show, I think mm-hmm. the concept um, in what you are doing is fantastic because you're oh, bringing you. a problem. You're obviously bringing a problem that everybody can see, and mm-hmm. then at the end, this is how we can change it. Versus this is a problem. Blah, 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 blah. Let's continue. This is a problem. Okay, so what are we doing about it? So uh-huh. I think and you get it all in one show. It's not being dragged out. Obviously, it doesn't get solved in one show, um, uh-huh. but the solution is there, and there needs to be the follow-through, which is obviously what um, you guys are working on. And I understand it yeah. doesn't happen overnight, of course. That's well, no, we need everybody else on board, too. We need, we need all of conservative media. We need, I think people need confirmation because they've never seen it happen. They don't believe it can happen. But the first exactly. bill, the first bill that, that conservative media, Lindell TV and American News and Newsmax and Right Side Broadcasting, when they get behind, say, the constitutional amendment uh, to take the power of Congress to borrow money, nobody even believes that's the, that you can even take the power of Congress to borrow money. And, then, of course, you know me. I don't, I don't see limitations anywhere on anything. And I'm like, well, of course we can. You know, and, and I thought about this the other day, too, that the, the last transparency in government is the laws themselves. They've taken the mm-hmm. elections. They've got the propaganda. They've co-opted the elected officials by parties. The news is, is propaganda. Everything's been taken except the laws themselves. So what I realize mm-hmm. is that we the people, if we the people can control the laws, we the people can control the government. And something people need to understand, too, there's nothing we're doing here that's unconstitutional or, or dangerous or insurrectionist or anything like that. All our bills are submitted to Congress. Now, we're coming up on the two-year anniversary of the big tech bill. We already had the two-year anniversary of our, our vaccine bill. That vaccine pill, mm-hmm. bill was out, and to my Congressman Matt Gates, and in press releases and emails and on the show mm-hmm. – long before the first mandate was ever issued by government for the vaccines. Mm-hmm. We had already beaten them, but it didn't go viral. You know? So now more, more folks are realizing what's going on here. They're like, the situation is so bad. They're, looking, they're, they're thinking beyond what they used to think. They used to think, ah, the problem's not that bad. I don't need action radio. It's some crazy guy with some ideas. Now it's like mm-hmm. uh, the debt's $32 trillion and there's no cap on it. Then we've got to do something. What are we going to do? So you get like Steve Bannon running around. What are we going to do? Well, Steve Bannon, 
there is a constitutional amendment right now that solves not only this debt crisis, but all debt crises, crises excuse me, until they amend the Constitution. But if we mm-hmm. can amend the Constitution, take away the power of Congress to borrow money, something that nobody's talking about, that changes everything. Just talking about that will put the fear of God mm-hmm. in Congress. What do you mean you're taking our power to borrow money? Watch what happens then. Now, you, you're like me. You like the game. So what do you think the game's going to be? Let's say you announce this, and other reporters at Right Side Broadcasting announce it, and other, Emerald you know, picks it up and has you on and me on and different folks on, and Steve Bannon starts talking about this, and all of a sudden the war room is like, we've got a constitutional amendment to take away the power of Congress to borrow money. What happens next, Ms. Journalist? Well, absolutely what you just said as far as going viral. I think that is the key in today's society with information. It has to go viral. It has to get into the right person's hands. It has to get the right attention. And then so I think the the lines you're thinking are exactly correct. Like that's, it just has to get in the right hands, be on the right, you know, information platform, outlet, um, and then things can start moving. Now, with that being said, there's also, obviously, which I, I'm pretty sure you're aware of, for instance, and I'll use the IRS as an example. The IRS, I mean, most Americans, it's it's completely an illegal entity. But people um, In what pay. sense? What they do? Well, as far as how much. Do process um, or what? Yeah. What I'm saying is, so, yes. People owe taxes, okay, mm-hmm. but you, the taxing to death, I mean, the majority, you know, things of that nature, like there's no, um, nobody really is in charge of the IRS and seeing exactly the areas that, okay, you are okay to do this, this is not okay. For instance, like a debtor's prison, completely illegal, but they do. What's well, inconsistent? Yeah, there's no there's no consistency between the laws or their application. You can talk to five different yeah, IRS could, people and get and five you different can answers. Ask a tax lawyer, and they'll say, "Yeah, it's completely mm-hmm. not legal." But right. the thing is, is that people still do it because they're afraid, right? Now you gotta give Nobody up fear. Says, you, you've got to stop being afraid. That is the first thing you do. That is the most important. Who's going to be the person that does that? That is that person who kind of makes that way, and then has not only just makes the way and says that this is what we're going to do, but also has the following. Because I think that's the big thing. People don't. I Um, think a lot of people, for instance, you you know, you would definitely bust through that door. But if you don't have any backing, uh I mean, people are just like, who's going to back me? Da 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 da. You know. And so I think that's that's where um, well, you know we who's backing I want, don't you? There's two people I want backing what we do. One of them is Donald Trump. You know, I tried to connect uh-huh. with his campaign. I mean, I've had Peter Navarro mm-hmm. on the show. I've had Christina Bob on the show. Uh, I'd love to have Liz Harrington on the show. <clears throat> but I, I'm trying to to get connected with the Trump campaign and openly work directly mm-hmm. with him with our citizen legislation. You know, I'm hoping mm-hmm. Emma Robinson will talk to people who would talk to people, talk to Mike Lindell. I'd love to get Mike Lindell on the show. So, hey, Mike, <laughs> we're affiliates with them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like uh, if Mike Lindell talks about Action Radio um, mm-hmm. and uh, maybe gets us some corporate sponsors and then takes us to Donald Trump and say, look, I found this, this uh, you know, radio station that actually writes legislation you can use in the campaign. I mean, all these bills are, are, are perfect for Trump to use in the campaign. The other person who might be interested is Robert Francis Kennedy. Because mm-hmm. he's friends with Judy Mikovits, because Robert wrote the foreword to her book on the pandemics, and Judy Mikovits is a friend of mine. She's been on the show many times, 
She's yeah, the, the primary one, sponsor I of our vaccine her, bill. Yes. Yeah, well, she's been. Have you talked to her ever? I could probably uh, get you both on the air at the same um, time. We actually, um, one of my colleagues, we had a long, in-depth in- interview with her, and um, okay. while I was working at Real America's Voice, and it was just, I mean, and then reading her book, it's just amazing. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you got to have your biochemistry, you know, jacket on, <laughs> your white coat to, to talk yeah. to her. But uh, she gets out. Yeah. But we have eighteen. I, I can send them to you. We have eighteen weeks of the world's greatest doctors panel. So for three hours a day, once a week on Thursdays, we had uh, uh, John Cullen with his data analysis. He's the one that made the COVID map for uh, um, mm-hmm. uh, the, the the clinic. What was it? Uh, Hopkins something or other. Anyway, I forgot the name of the hospital. Oh, John Hopkins. Judy, um, John Hopkins. Yeah, we had Judy Mikovits. We had Brian mm-hmm. Artis. We had Ben Marble. We had uh, Jim Thorpe. We had some of the best. We had Dr. Corey drop in. We had all these different people drop in uh, to the show. Uh, Brandon House of Lindell TV, he was on. We even had Gregory Wrightstone from the, the Climate Coalition um, mm. talking about the, the, the differences between, um, or the similarities, excuse me, between the lies about climate change and the lies about COVID. We've only scratched the surface. Nope. I got my next guest online. I wish we had you for two hours, but uh, I need you back because we're only just getting started. Yeah, well, we'll definitely we'll definitely have to pick this back up and yeah. uh, we'll definitely talk after, um, okay. yeah, after the show. Do you have one more question for me? I loved it. Any, any shameless plug from you for Right Side Broadcasting or anything you want to talk about uh, for your contact or Facebook anything that, or your websites or anything like that that people uh, can get a hold of you? Okay, you can give that so or not. I, I guess, what was that? I said you can give that information or not. It's up to you. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, just um, I think on all my social media, it's Jessica Rivera. I'm going to start contracting with Right Side Broadcasting. So mm-hmm. as soon as that kind of is, um, something that starts, which, like I said, was next weekend. I'll go ahead and just, I mean, you can search me, Jessica Rivera, at pretty much those are all of my handles on all social okay. media. Um, and you can find me there. And, um, yeah, I am. I really, really enjoyed my time here with you. Um, now I understand interactive radio. Yeah. Which is definitely yeah. a new here, concept. Well, where do you get uh, people calling in to you? You know, some, we don't have a regular call. It's Fridays. It's kind of it's uh, kind of quiet, um, and most yeah. people still listen by podcast. But when we get the regular callers calling in, and we get different people, and we have our reporters. You know, our youngest reporter is 16 years old. She's a genius. Oh. You know, Brianna, Brianna on on Tuesday mornings. You're welcome to join any of our reporters and call in, or at least listen to the different reports. Mm-hmm. You know, and the things that happen here. But um, you know, this is this is a very creative. I mean, we're pioneers here, all of us, and I think you can be that that same kind of pioneering um, reporter. I didn't even need a new name for it. Like I say, conservative news advocate. Uh, and I'm available, of course, if you guys, you know, right side broadcasting, want to talk to me about these bills, because that would be a great way to get them out. And whoever the first reporter to start, you know, reporting these on a regular basis, you know, is going to be the lead reporter, and they're going to come to you for information. So. Um, Good luck. Go for it. I, um, I, can't, I wish you all the best on that. If you want to, if you want to take well, on that project. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity and the time to talk. It was a great experience. Like I said, we'll talk after. And um, yeah, I mean, I think you've got something definitely going here. It's just got to, you know, get in the right hands. Just getting up. Just we're all set for our breakthrough. We're ready. <laughs> we just need to get going. Jessica. Rivera, exactly. Thank, exactly. Yeah. Thank so, you so much. It's a real pleasure to talk to you. Yeah. Yes, it was great speaking with you, too. Okay, talk to you later. Take care. Bye-bye. now. Mm -hmm. Thank you. All right. So I don't have anything to play before Mike gets here, so I might – let me see if I play something kind of fun here. Um, I played all my announcements. I played this, played that. What haven't I done here? 
Uh, do the music thing. Oh, I know. I know what I can do. I'll do my broadcast thing. I have all these buttons I can push. So uh, I like to take a little musical break to sort of uh, differentiate. Uh, where is my... Uh, let's play this one. Well, that's dramatic. <laughs> and after that, let's bring on our guest, <laughs> Mike Lynch. Welcome back. How you doing, sir? How are you, sir? I just had a fabulous hour. Yeah, I hear you fine. Yeah. I just talked to um, Jessica. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. I was going to say, I was just talking to Jessica Rivera. It's the first time I've talked to her. She is absolutely fabulous. I had such a great chat with her. And so it looks like she's going to right side broadcasting and hopefully, um, you know, she'll be a person that will be reporting on our legislation. She likes what we're doing here. And we're going to talk off the air. So that was just uh, – we just made a, a huge, huge step forward here uh, acting with, uh, well, with Jessica. So I'm, I'm really excited. Did you hear any, any of our chat at all? Oh, yes, I did the last 10, 15 minutes. And, oh, and what – some of the things I was going to, you know, throw out there for discussion dovetailed uh-huh. directly into what she was saying. Okay. And how you influence legislation and make things happen – Starting at the local level, starting at the city council or county government level, school board, and and moving your way up in order to make things happen, and that's exactly well, actually, what she was talking about. Is exactly. Yeah, but we're starting at all levels, though. Just to, just to jump in here for a second, oh, because yeah. people say that you have to start locally. It's like no, I, I started with Congress, I started with the state legislatures, I started with the city councils, the county commissions, and the school boards. I started mm-hmm. everywhere. Yeah, because I don't know where the breakthrough is coming from. Yeah, yeah, we did it the same way. But we, we used a different approach. How we did things with the local government and local folks was different from when we met with congressmen and senators and, and so state we? representatives. And state Tell people who we are uh, so they know who you're talking about. Advocates, yeah, public officials advocating for our communities, uh, you know, the whole idea of getting money for roads, uh, things of that sort, a- a- advocating for your community, for public safety, things like that, economic development. Uh, uh-huh. A lot of that has to come start from the local end because when you start to get further up the chain, it gets harder to communicate. So what you have to get a good following at the base, and then you start sending those people out to do your work for you, <laughs> which does help, you know, having them contact. I'll give you an example. Uh, uh-huh. If I needed or felt like in our, our case we needed uh, transportation funding for a very dangerous highway, US-61, which some people are familiar with, goes all the way up through Vicksburg, all the way up through central Arkansas, and then into eastern Missouri. In order to make that highway safer, we had like 13 fatal accidents in a three-year time span. So what we did, we started going to the local organization's school boards. Of course, they care because their kids are riding buses on these highways. And we would work our way up, go to local city council meetings, and we would encourage people to contact their state and federal representatives. So by the time we showed up or we hit them with a request or mm-hmm. a, a need, they were already familiar with it or at least were aware of it. 
Now, you have to make sure you get through the L.A.'s, the legislative assistants and, and the interns and everything to get down to where the rubber meets the road. But but that that's true anyway, so whether it's here on the Gulf Coast. <laughs> I'm nice sorry. little pun. You, know, you said rubber meets the road. We're talking about roads. It's just kind of funny okay, you mentioned uh, that. Uh, okay, that was a dad mm-hmm. joke. But anyway. The, uh, <laughs> that was great. Yeah. It, 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 but it's true. I taught eighth grade for 25 years. You know, you've got to have a gimmick. Uh, the the point is... I do is, radio. Trust you me, have, I know. <laughs> I did. I actually did radio for four years, off and on. I actually, okay. we had a radio station we opened in our city. We mm-hmm. actually opened a radio station in our city to get us more attention. I mean, hmm. I'm when it comes to getting attention for your community... You know, I'm one of those attention people that says, here we are, pay attention to us. And that's, believe it or not, that's part of this process. Now, it's how you do it, you know, with the the local organization. Yeah. I I want to back up a little bit and and, uh, start. Well, let's get back on track here a little bit in terms of roads. So so we're talking about dangerous roads. That's what we're going to do. So let's let's get to real basics. How does a how does a road get built? And what is, you know, first of all, roads, how is it, how is a road built? How do you, how do you make a road? Let's start with the real basics. What kind of build from there? What's a road? Obviously the first thing is funding, transportation. No, no, you know, transit. No, no. What what, what are roads made of? How deep are they? Oh, you mean. Yeah. I want to know road construction. How do you build a road today? Well, it's a geographic uh, conditions. It depends. Now that I live here on the Gulf Coast, everything here is built differently than it was in Missouri. In Missouri, okay. of course, you have to worry about frost and so on. So the road. Why do you have to worry about the frost? road? The way, oh, because it heat frost heaving, What's clay that? will expand and contract when it's frozen. And what okay. happens is a clay soil in Missouri and places like that, you have to put down like a base, usually like four inch clean, four inch mm-hmm. size gravel, two inch size gravel. You roll that, mm-hmm. and then you use what are called. You can get what are called screenings, which is a very thin rock base that gets basically compacted into that. And that's mm-hmm. what absorbs or stops the freezing, which, of course, if it doesn't, it'll crack the concrete. Down here, you'll notice... Because clay expands, area, because ice expands greater than water when it freezes, exactly right? Water, that's why you put everything. logs in swimming pools in, uh, in areas that freeze, so the logs will crack and not the side of your pool, right? Right. and, and or, right. or you put in one of those, uh, you know, inflatables. Anyway... The, uh, the oh, point is, uh-huh. yeah, it, it's a it's a buoyancy device. I, I could get I'm getting off track, but no, no, what I, I, I got is, more construction questions. Yeah, because uh, this is interesting. Yeah, because if we know how they're made, then we can figure out you know what makes them dangerous, where they're where they're lacking, and what they're supposed to do. So well, tell me how roads made. And, and how you thick know is what? it? It's not how do you the, make one? The yeah. actual the actual mm-hmm. design. Mm-hmm. They, they what happens many times. What happened in our case, and and obviously here in this area along mm-hmm. the Gulf Coast, is the, the roads were under-designed. The Highway 98 was never designed Where to handle it? the amount of traffic. Highway 98 yeah. that runs basically along the Gulf Coast, you mm-hmm. could basically draw a line from Mobile all the way west, or east, excuse me, to uh, Panama City and in that area, Mexico Beach. That's you know, west. 98 basically, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mobile to Panama City is west, yeah. Um, the reason I'm saying yeah. that is because we're, we're national and international. We've got, uh, we've got 15% of our audience is international now. We've got folks in England, Australia, New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got Mark who's listening in the Netherlands right now. He's on live chat. You know, we're, and we've got all over the country. 
so what I want to do is yeah. um, the tendency sometimes Give for local folks left. to think that, you know, so we're talking about Highway 98. So we're talking about a road that runs right by the Gulf of Mexico. Um, so it gets the okay. ocean salt air. It gets, uh, but it's got a lot of traffic. It's like one road. And unfortunately, on either side of it is way too much stuff. So you're putting all of your traffic. Yeah. And as anybody, everybody knows about road construction, we'll talk about, uh, yeah, Marcos, give them a thumbs up. Uh, we'll talk about how uh, roads that don't have enough access around them. We, I've studied roads. Um, we did that for here in Milton yep. with the, the, the people that wanted to destroy our town with a four-lane highway uh, as opposed to a two-lane, uh, where I've, I've thought of putting cul-de-sacs on either end of the crossroads. So we take out the intersection so people can drive through quite nicely on two lanes and not destroy oh, the yeah. town. Do you like that idea? Oh, yeah. I, you see the video? I have an idea. I, okay. I wish I had the money. I've not seen the video. I wish I had the money. You know what would work great? What if you could have dinner cruises on the Black River? In other words, if you could have a, a, a dock and everything there, have we a river have cruise that would go on. We should have a riverboat. We need a riverboat. Yeah, exactly. Where everybody speaks I mean, with a real I'm southern from... accent because they're real southerners. <laughs> Bam, come on a boat here. Well, Why don't yeah. you get up and get your ticket and get on board? We're going to take you on a riverboat cruise. It's going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're sounding like some of my relatives now. The, uh, <laughs> the... The, you have to understand. I'm from I'm, I'm from Missouri. Okay. Yeah. yeah our 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 my geography reference is rivers. So when I talk mm-hmm. about when you look at the Gulf Coast and some of, there's some similar issues, and one right. of them is how could you use that in say Milton with transportation and mm-hmm. have uh, the ability to create these opportunities? You know, have a a riverfront where you could have boats leaving daily for river cru- oh, cruises, uh, dinner cruises. I want boats. Cruises. I want, uh, you know, bicycles. I want people, pedestrians. We need a parking place. We, I mean, this is the, the potential for Milton is staggering with what we can do here. But anyway, let's get back to how, how do you oh, make a road? How do you make a road? I, I, I love the real basics. I like to start from a, from a very good con- So what is well, a road? How do you make it? How, is, how thick is it? What construction materials are used? What are, you know, and obviously we can talk about a Missouri road versus a Florida road. So a Florida road, oh, Highway 98. On the Gulf Coast, you know, with soft, sandy soil, is going to be very different than Missouri, which has clay, possibly like a granite foundation, things like that. So how do you make mm-hmm. roads in those two places? How thick are they? What do you do? How, you know, how does it work? How do you make a road? Well, what we did in, in my particular instance of the city I was you know, mayor of, our local roads and streets were basically a gravel with uh, type asphalt on top, usually type how X thick? or type Y. So gravel. Uh, so you, you minimum, dig out a roadbed. Minimum. How, how deep? How, how deep you dig yeah. a roadbed? Or you just put it right on top of the of the of the ground? Just two smooth feet. it out. So you one, dig down two one, feet. Two feet. Okay. So we got uh, one to two feet. And then feet. we have large, and you would have different types of gravel depending on the. You know, there's also what kind of traffic it's going to carry. Right. Asphalt doesn't last as long as concrete. Obviously, uh, asphalt gives a little bit. Down here, I've not constructed a road down here, but I can, by watching, I can pretty much see, you pretty much, they don't do a lot of rock here, it's sand. A lot of sand is used for the base, and it's compacted, and then, you know what? Well, the, the soil is already sandy. Right <laughs> okay. Yeah. So we've got very little thickness. Right. So yeah, we don't, whereas. So, the, the, so there's a, yeah. a natural cushion to the roads here because of the sand? Yeah, and you don't need, because you don't get the frost heaving, the winter weather. You don't right. get the movement up and down to the soil like you would, say, in Missouri or, you know, in the mid, mid-temperate mid climate. We don't get potholes so either. So the roads here. Not as much. Yeah. yeah uh, 
Yeah, no, the potholes up there are, some of them are like holes on craters on the moon. But yep. again, that's because of the freezing and thawing of uh, the soil and everything in, in, a, in an environment like that. Okay. What we worry so, about, after you get yes, it go built, go ahead. Mm-hmm. No, I was just saying, no, I want to figure out what built, makes a road safe, then we'll figure out where they're, where they're making them dangerous. That's what I want to kind of get well, to. So a safe road. Right. So safe road is one to two feet thick in Florida, maybe thicker in Missouri. Do they have to go down a little further and, and with the sand and the, yeah, and the gravel? I would say okay. one to two feet in Missouri. We built a road to a shopping center, and right. it was uh, four, to, four inches of large rock, two inches of, of small rock, two-inch rock, and mm-hmm. then we rolled and compressed it, and then the concrete was poured over that. That's usually a pretty good surface in terms of, you know, the, and it depends on the way to carry. If it's going to be carrying commercial traffic, trucks and so on, obviously you're going to have to plan for that. Uh, obviously that's what we did when mm-hmm. we were trying to get ready to build out a road. You know, it's a whole different science up there than it is here. Here mm-hmm. the problem, what makes a road safe or not safe, it's more about volume than it is about the construction. You can have basic construction issues, not making lanes wide enough. I'll give you an example. How the heck are we going to have uh, U-turn lanes on Highway 98 when they add all these extra lanes? Our engineers told us you cannot add. uh, There's a vital capacity. There's only so many cars a road can carry before it's not useful anymore. 98 is beyond that. I think everybody knows that. When you look well, at adding except at night, <laughs> I only drive drive on it at night when no one's around, so it's it's wide open then. Yeah, or, daytime don't drive yeah, in the daytime. Six a.m. after six a.m. it's already you know now school's out. Well, you've got but one road. You've got one, and they're adding extra lanes. And what we know from mm-hmm. Strong Towns from Chuck Marin, who is a, is a civil engineer, and this is what I as I've studied traffic reports that traffic increases to the lanes. So if you want to reduce traffic, you actually reduce yeah. lanes. They should make ninety eight smaller. I know that sounds counterintuitive, well, and build more side well, roads. people perceive, drivers perceive, here's what our engineers told us, sir, two mistakes. One okay. is drivers perceive that there's more room, so guess what they do? They drive faster. Then yeah. the other issue is what's happening on 98 now. What is there, two or three more new stoplights? I don't know. Stoplights I, in I stay away from accident. Oh, say yeah. that again? Stoplights stop increase accidents. How do stoplights increase accidents? How do they do because that? Because people... They're trying to beat the light. They try to constantly oh, beat the traffic and beat the light. Okay. And as a result, they did our state highway patrol and our engineering uh, told us, DOT told us that they found an increase, particularly when it was a busier, like a metropolitan road, right. an increase in accidents at the intersection of stoplights. Hence, what do we do? Let's put in a roundabout. Okay. There's <laughs> pluses and minuses to roundabouts, too. <laughs> Well, it depends how fast you're going. Oh, oh. I mean, a roundabout yeah, is good to, what, 30 well, miles an hour, maybe 35? Uh, you know, if you, if you go much over 35 and you start hitting a roundabout, uh, no, I don't yeah. think so. <laughs> you you know what? Everybody should learn how to drive a roundabout at DuPont Circle in D.C. If you oh, want to learn yes. about roundabouts. Yes. Well, listen, I lived in Australia. We had, uh, we had roundabouts all the time, and they had them in New England, too, when I was growing up. I actually learned to drive at night in the mm-hmm. wintertime on, on icy roads, so I, I got pretty good at it. I was in high school. Ooh. So uh, Ooh, my uh, my uh, my yeah. driving instructor 
uh, was fabulous. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I didn't have him in class. He came from a different junior high. Uh, I mean, high school. Uh, he was a junior high, right? No, it was a, d- a different high school. But anyway, um, yeah, he was a great instructor. And in fact, I, I got well, the hang of it so quickly because I was learning how to fly at the time. I actually, I had already soloed by the time I took driver ed, which is kind of funny. Um, and he's mm-hmm. like, uh, so you're, you're doing weird things. I said, yeah, well, I, I know how to fly an airplane. I've never driven a car. He's like, what? <laughs> That's another story. But the point was, that you want to learn how to drive, drive in New England, learn to drive in New England at night in the wintertime. That's how you learn how to drive. That yeah, was and, and I forgot to mention, don't forget mm-hmm. the weather. When you go into the temperate and northern climates, you have mm-hmm. to deal with snow, ice. Well, that's uh, what I mean. You know, wintertime New England, had, you know, yeah, wind, ice, yeah, rain, fleet, snow, hail. Well, we did it all. Know, we, we started using... We started using beet juice. Juice beet actually juice. lowers the freezing point. Yes. Beet huh. juice actually lowers the freezing point of water, just like really? salt does. But it's a lot less, yeah. It lowers the freezing point. It's not very it's, – it's comparable to salt. The difference is salt, uh-huh. of course, corrodes and, and, and works its way into your, into your road surface and everything else. The beet juice runs off, and it's, it's environmentally safe. It's not uh, dangerous to uh, water, uh, you know, standing water, running water, things of that sort. Well, because in the rare times, the, yeah, the rare times things freeze around here. I think they put salt on the roads. I'm thinking, you got the Gulf of Mexico. Why don't you just get a bunch of seawater and put that on the roads? <laughs> you know, let it, because it hits the roads anyway. Why don't you just uh, use seawater? It's yeah. free. It's there. You just pump it out and pump it on the roads anytime started, they're frozen, you know, you, uh, instead of buying that. salt. Yeah. Yeah, we started doing that called a brine tank. We put oh, okay. a truck with a brine tank on the back, and we made brine, and we put that down on the roads before the snow hits. Because what happens is when you put that down before the snow hits, you prevent that from adhering to the road surface. Okay. So you'll notice when you're in a northern climate, you'll see a lot of places where the road surface is still frozen, or it's actually frozen to the concrete. And what you have to hmm. do is you put that down preemptively, and that helps keep the ice from forming on top of the asphalt or concrete, whichever the case may be. So do we do, are we using, yeah, are we using the latest technology with roads? You know, cause I, I, I'm thinking of like, you know, when they have parks for kids, they have these rubberized surfaces where kids, they don't get hurt now because they're bouncing off the ground. Is there new road technology uh, that we're not implementing? I mean, I've not looked at it for four or five years. What my, my information comes over the last four or five years when we were starting, I was learning about different types of asphalt, X and Y asphalt, and, and there's different kinds male depending on the size of the rock. <laughs> male and female asphalt, I'm just yeah. you. Well, I hope not. X, Y, Z. It's really kind of – the interesting thing is the physical makeup of the road is important, mm-hmm. but the design and the practical use of traffic control is as important in keeping a road safe. And the number of cars. I mean, you take a look at 98, it's basically mm-hmm. there is only – it is the only east-west road, main road along the Gulf Coast besides I-10, if you think about it, that goes continuously, mm-hmm. and it still goes through so many stoplights. So basically, you have I-10 and 98, and that's basically how far, how everything far away else. Are they, uh, see, we have a thing here where people, like, they want to drive through Milton with a highway, and I'm like, no, just go around it. Go down to I-10. It takes two minutes. 
uh, on the east side, yep. you know, with Route 87. It takes maybe five minutes to take Avalon, mm-hmm. which is on the other side. Uh, and you can right. go completely around Milton. And people are like, no, I want to go straight through. They think the shortest distance between uh, well, the shortest distance with two points is a straight line. But the shortest time between two points, given traffic, might be a little bit of a detour. And they don't see that. The freeway, yes. you can do 70. Would you rather be doing 70 on an open freeway or stuck in traffic waiting for a bridge? Well, that's a no-brainer. You go, oh. you go 70 on the highway. You know, and so and people see, don't think. Right. Let's talk traffic. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. What I think has been happening, and this, this you know, the idea of running that four-lane bridge through the middle of historic Milton just makes no sense to me. You have me the opportunity mm-hmm. – well, because the historic part of Milton, mm-hmm. all our county really gets known for, Santa Rosa, is the beach. Okay, let's be honest. The beach mm-hmm. and the military. But we're more than that. I think Milton mm-hmm. is more than that. The, oh, yeah. The, the idea of turning Milton, I come from Missouri, which you know, and mm-hmm. there's a town called St. Charles, Missouri, Hannibal, I'm Missouri. Of it. These are yeah, really I know Hannibal. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hannibal's from Mark Twain's right? Yeah, right. Yep. Okay. And, and these turn-of-the-century, I'm saying turn-of-the-18th-century, 19th-century towns, have a historic river feel to them. Uh, you know, shops, restaurants, uh, entertainment venues, riverboats, things of that sort that would go perfectly with mm-hmm. that location for Milton. And the, yep. this whole thing about wanting to plow through Milton just so people can get to pace faster, or excuse me, a faster pace. That's a bad joke. No, it's, it's uh, Pace is the town on the other side, folks. So the, there's two towns here. There's East Milton, which is east of Milton, and there's Pace, which is west of Milton. Uh, and so the problem is – no, wait a minute. No, it's, yeah, that's right. Oh, maybe it is It is east. Yeah. I'm sorry. I was wrong. I, I have to correct myself. From Mobile to Panama City is heading east. So I, I so all you folks mm-hmm. who said, Greg, you're wrong, you guys are right. I was wrong. So uh, there's my correction. Um, but uh, so you've got Milton in the center. On, on the eastern side, you have uh, East Milton, obviously. Uh, and then on the western side, you have Pace. And the only people that want a four lane are people that want to go through Milton, but not stop here. So to me, that's incredibly selfish. And to get the pay. Yeah, yeah, they exactly. want to be fast. So all they, they want to do is, fight yeah. yeah, they don't want to stop so here. The they have no interest in our to town. Obliterate, yeah, obliterate downtown Milton, which you could do some, I mean, you could do some work on there and, and maintain that historic look and historic feel and provide opportunity for business. Just, just blasting through there and knocking those two buildings down and that just makes no sense to me. That, well, here's that, the crazy part. That, well, let me it, see if your engineers inherits, find the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, 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 you've got the veterans. You could tie all this in to an entertainment venue that would, mm-hmm. I don't say it won't take the place of the beach, but it could rival the beach. It would give people something else to do. In Santa Rosa well, the beach County, is this region, <laughs> you know, and the, the oh. beach is a summertime thing, and we can be year-round here in Milton. Here's here, just to give folks well, an idea what's going Christmas. on. Imagine what you could do at Christmas well, when you have, have this a, town, we, St. Charles, yeah. Missouri. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it, they do an entire Christmas where the mm-hmm. entire like ten blocks of right. the area where Lewis and Clark stopped on their way, obviously up the Missouri, and mm-hmm. and it's just all historic buildings from the early 1800s in Missouri. They are some yeah. of the earliest settlements west of the Mississippi. And, and you could do the same thing, similar, in uh, Milton. I don't know why mm-hmm. you couldn't. And you could put it around transportation that makes sense. Blowing well, that four-lane road right to the middle of town doesn't make sense. It's, no, it doesn't. Here's the thing, too. For folks that are trying to visualize all this, because this is radio, um, we have mm-hmm. uh, a river running north and south. 
we have a two-lane road running east and west. We've got the, the incredible confluence. We've got an airport, which is completely underutilized. Did you ever read my growth management plan for Milton? For, for San Rosa no, County. but I'm sure I've, I've driven by the airport enough. I was a I was a frustrated uh, gamer pilot in another life. So <laughs> my do you want to learn to fly? I mean, I, I used to I used to teach flying. I wrote a book called The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. You can look at my book, and I that'll took, get you started. I took mm-hmm. when I ran for state representative in Missouri. I mm-hmm. I took a flying lesson, a free flying lesson, and flew over my entire district that I was going to end up representing. And uh-huh. it was really interesting. I, I always worked on flight simulator, but I got a free flight from a friend of a friend type thing. And mm-hmm. so I took an instructional flight, and it was great. I loved it. It was so much yeah. fun. should do more yeah. of them. Yeah, and give you a new uh, perspective. Well, yeah, that's the idea. Yeah. As a teacher, uh, when mm-hmm. I teach flying, I, that was a real trip. You, know, you don't really learn about flying until you start teaching other people. Uh, and I got about 3,000 hours. A little shy of that. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of interesting. Let's get back to uh, the engineers. Um, what I found yeah. in my research and what I found in several different sources, and I just published this because Milton is, again, having the, the four-lane discussion, uh, is that, and this applies to anywhere, not just here, but if you build more lanes, you get more traffic. You know, it, uh, the secret is, is alternate yeah. routes, is side streets, is using different things. And that's why I want to close off the main intersection, uh, put two cul-de-sacs. So that that's, that doesn't become a choke point mm-hmm. anymore. People would take all the other alternative routes. And so the more alternative routes you have, the better. Uh, for a viable city, what they do is they get rid of lanes. They make more parks. They put in more bike uh, racks. They, they, make it, they have bike lanes. They have more accessible. And if we have river, you know, if we have a, a boat accessible place with restaurants right on the dock, you know, and if we have, we have yep. this beautiful big old courthouse, which we could turn into uh, the courthouse market. And for anybody that knows Pike Place in Seattle or the Ferry Building in San Francisco or Boston Market or the San Antonio Riverwalk, all those are models for what Milton can be on a smaller scale, but still they can be it. So you get enough small yeah. businesses. You know, I'm looking for an old, like, 1940s soda fountain place with banana splits and root beer floats. Mm-hmm. We need one of those. We need a barbecue place. We need an Italian restaurant. We need a Thai restaurant, a Cuban restaurant. We need an antique bookstore. We need a crazy hat shop. You know, all these things would make this incredible. So you take the old buildings, and you just put new businesses in them. Yep. And Chuck Marin said that the, the more new businesses, the more footprint, the more walkable, the, 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 the more viable the city becomes, and the less chance you're going to have of having it all destroyed by a stupid four-lane. So... Let me ask you the oh, question. Have, yeah. Did you find what, what I found in my research that if you have four lanes of traffic, you get four, la- four, lane, four lanes, you get four lanes worth of traffic and it slows down, sometimes even slower than the two lanes because so many more people have said, I'm only going to take the four lane. You know, and do you find that well, too or, or what have you found? Well, the, we, when we were working on roads in my town, one of the things we found out is you have to go for connectivity, but you have to do it smart. Connectivity is what makes it work, but you've got to do it smart. Just don't put a road for the sake of putting a road in. What you need to do is understand what's your purpose, what's your goal. Are you accommodating commercial development? Are you simply upgrading? You know, are you, that's what you have to decide. What's your goal? What's your ultimate goal? I wish we had more than 98. <clears throat> right before I moved here, they were talking about that new east-west connector that would allow you to go from – 80, 85, 87, being able to go east-west through Santa Rosa County and avoid 98. And then they found that spotted salamander, and we all know what happened with that. So, and now I wasn't they here found for that. that. Oh, I, yeah. I missed that little, uh, that little tidbit. I got here right after it happened. They oh, about that discovered, supposedly, mm-hmm. they supposedly had, and this happened right before I got here, so I'm going by what I read. Apparently, yeah. the military 
the state, uh, the federal government, DOD, obviously, the military, and the local county government had all come to an agreement on how to put in an east-to-west uh, community access road. They were going to go right along the edge of the Eglin property. They were going to be able to go east to west. a military base, about, folks. It's, a, it's one of the biggest military right. bases in the world, for those that don't know. Yeah, go ahead. And, and be able to get people east to west. Now, for those who are listening that aren't familiar with Eglin, you know, we have mm-hmm. a lot of military bases here, Eglin, Hurlburt, which, you know, we have some geographic challenges here. Yeah, Pensacola. I like the water. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's so, but it was my understanding they had a deal worked out. Well, then mm-hmm. supposedly the National Wildlife Federation came in and said, well, we have this rare species of salamander, and you can't put a roadbed in. You can't cut mm-hmm. off their migration or whatever. And, and everybody's like, okay, well, we'll just make 98 three lanes. And, the, and they kind of just threw their hands up and said, okay, you, when you tackle transportation problems, you have to think, like you were talking earlier about thinking outside the box mm-hmm. and, and get rid of the box because you can't see outside the box. You have to have no walls in your way and figure out there are ways around it. You can solve these problems. They mm-hmm. just didn't want to go, quite frankly, deal with it. So they well, now what was the problem with the salamanders? Could they have done underpasses under the road for the salamanders? You know, I mean, uh, there was and, like that. And are there other salamanders in other places that are red spotted? I mean, would would exactly. would this make them extinct? <laughs> you know, um, they, no. They found they found suitable environment in Gar on Garcon Point. And for those of you who don't know, Garcon Point is a peninsula that basically goes out into the East Bay. I thought it was Garcon Point. I thought it was French. Bay. It's not Garcon Point. It's not Boy Point. Uh, I I don't know. I'm I'm not. I don't French, either. So I can't. Okay. Yeah, I went to Paris this summer, but it didn't help me. The uh, yeah. the point is, <laughs> okay. they could they found a suitable environment for the spotted salamander, so they could oh. relocate it. But everybody said, oh, we already committed to the three lanes." So. Pfft. So now you know what's going on on 98. You need to take drive so down So three lanes. We're talking three lanes in each direction, correct? In each direction, yeah. Now, okay. I so now I-10. Wait a minute. I-10 is three lanes in every dire- in each direction. All right. In some places, two lanes in each direction, but mostly it's three. But I-10. Uh, <clears throat> but it's an interstate. It has limited right, so access. No, right, and it has no yeah, uh, traffic unlike, lights. Exactly. Unlike 98. Mm-hmm which is nothing but traffic lights, and it's going to get worse. And, and yeah. the, the problem is nobody mm-hmm. thought to th- about – they kind of avoided the discussion about the uh, access road. And, and that was back in 2011, I think I read the plan. 2012 was when it came from. So I wasn't mm-hmm. here yet. I was still in Missouri. I was still a novice, novicient mayor back then, so I, I didn't know much of anything. Novicient, oh, that's a great word. I haven't heard that one for – I don't think I've heard that word. You're teaching me words today. Oh, novicient, yeah. It's novice. Yeah. Uh, okay. But, you oh, know, novicient. Like oh, I see. Kind of, All right. And you don't speak French. Yeah. That's kind of interesting. Okay. I was curious. Anyway, um, <laughs> uh, why didn't they – now, I want to get another visual for folks about Gulf Breeze because it's really illustrative of how stupid people can be. Freeze is mm-hmm. imagine a very long strip of land where you've got the Gulf of Mexico on one side and you've got like a canal or a channel or many bodies of water on the other side. And so this long strip of land, it's like a barrier island. In fact, I think it is a barrier island. Exactly. So it runs from a barrier island. So it's a barrier, barrier island. So it's got water on both sides. So you've got limited access to this barrier. And I, I know about limited access. I lived in the San Francisco Bay Area where we had nine bridges. 
mm-hmm. over the the San Francisco Bay. Oh. And I know, you know, I know mm-hmm. about I know about closed off access, especially after an earthquake. Um, but but the problem is they've got one ra- main road down the center, but what they don't mm-hmm. have is roads north and south of that main road, which they should have. Also running east and west. Yeah. What they really should have done is had a growth management plan. They really should have left it at two lanes, and then people would have just not moved there. <laughs> you know, uh, and that's what they should have yeah. done. They should have limited the growth of the island. So the problem is not that the, they don't have enough free highway uh, or road lanes. The problem is they let too many people live there. That's the problem. And they because there's no access to it. It's a barrier island. Exactly. You, you, they and should they, have left it at two lanes. Yeah. You know what you can do. You need to get yeah. into the, the whole bit with the uh, federal, the uh, lease, the deal with the whole lease of the island. I don't want to get into that right now. I want to talk more about – I want to get more warm roads in general. What yeah, no, no, no. So I know the traffic. Yeah, okay. Let's talk about do that. But so, so, so traffic management. So what is the safest road? The, the, the local road, the, the, you know, the 45 road, the 70-mile-an-hour the freeway? What, in terms of safety, how do roads line up? I, what makes them safe? What makes them statistically, we found yeah. out. We had mm-hmm. fewer accidents on the interstate than we did locally. Our officers mm. wrote many more incident reports for okay. subdivision streets, uh, st- entrances, getting in and getting out of commercial, pain in the you-know-what. That was How about parking lots? Problem. We, not, I, think, I think parking yeah, lots are the most dangerous place. <laughs> They're terrible. We did, yeah, because people aren't paying attention. And well, the lanes are narrower. Moving, There's not enough space between And they're cars. all in different directions. Yeah, and they're not moving yeah. the same. If you're going with the flow of traffic down an interstate, if you're all mm-hmm. doing 65 or 70 and you're moving right. the same direction, you're keeping a reasonable space, you're mm-hmm. going to be pretty safe. But when you're well, doing 25 or 30, yeah, yeah. Oh, wait a minute, just when you're doing freeways, because I've, I've heard that, uh, that it's, not the, it's not the speed kills, it's the differential in speed. So if you've got one person doing 40 and everybody else is doing 70, that's where it's dangerous. But if everybody's doing 70, then it's pretty safe because relative movement is, is almost identical. Right? Isn't that true? And we, the problem is when you do have an accident on the interstate like we had, and when you do have people moving at 70 miles an hour, the mm-hmm. devastation, what happens with that accident is pretty bad. Right. <clears throat> That's where your fatal accidents, your serious injury and fatal happen. Well, how do they, how do they make yeah. – how do they make freeways safer uh, in terms of do they bank them? To, I know they crown them so the water runs off, and I think they bank them to a certain extent. But are, are they do, how, do they, how do you make a freeway safe construction-wise? We, the first thing we did, this is where lobbying comes in. This is where Ms. Rivera, Rivera you oh, know, Jessica I heard Rivera? you guys talking about this. Yeah. Yeah. I heard you guys talking about this, speaking with people in Congress. We came mm-hmm. up with a plan, and what we did was we got our engineers and the local planning organization we figured out three or four priorities we needed to make the highway safer. And then hmm. we started lobbying. Then we started making sure we called our congressmen, our senators. Wait, wait, I wait, can't wait, tell we've, you got how many a, we've got a National Highway Transportation Safety Administration. We've got NHTSA. Isn't that their job? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, Uh-oh. we're looking for money, M-O-N-E-Y. So right. we actually lobbied for and got a $900,000 grant Oh gosh, it's been oh, can I get one? years ago. Can when I get one of those for Action Radio? I'm just well, you need a lobby. You need a way to lobby for it. Yeah, if I could afford a lobby, lobby I, I wouldn't need the grant. <laughs> well, we lobbied ourselves, but we got a oh, okay. study done for the highway going through our city, and we uh-huh. got a $900,000 grant that went to the Missouri Department of Transportation, and then uh-huh. they used that to commit a study to our entire corridor. 
So you, you, there has to be a plan in order to have that plan. I, I've read part of the transportation plan for the Emerald Coast, and it's a mind-numbing experience, let me tell you. <clears throat> but well, what are they trying to do? What, what's, what's the overall strategy of the plan? Try and allow people access to be able to go from point A to point B to accommodate commercial growth, people moving yeah, to places but, uh, of employment. But we've, just, we've discovered that more roads, more alternative roads, and, and fewer lanes uh, make traffic flow better. So the worst thing they could do would be to put six lanes in Highway 98 and concentrate all the traffic east and west on those two roads because there's no connection between the, – if it's anything like Milton and Pace, you have pockets. So in other words, you have the main road. We have yeah. 90, Highway 90, Caroline Street, right? So for most of Milton, right. there's cross streets. You can, you can work your way through it. So it's not a problem. But in Pace, which is the town next to us for folks, another visual here, um, all the roads, all the communities lead off in separate individual streets. There's no connection above or below this one four-lane road that runs through the middle of, of the town of Pace. And so the only way to go east and west is on the four-lane road. If you want to go north and south, you have to pick your individual little place. So what they really need is a north road, which they're starting to build, and a south road, and maybe even a, a second north road or a second south road. But there's no alternatives. So you, you force people onto the four-lane because there's no other way to go. That's Because they, they can't go east and west off the side streets, which is nuts. Anyway, go ahead. And imagine this. Now, let's throw in hurricane evacuation. Ooh. Okay, now you've got an issue where you have to get people north mm-hmm. of the coast, right. correct? Right. But mm-hmm. in order to get them north, what direction do they have to go first, east or west? Can't go south, mm-hmm. okay, So you, unless you're mm-hmm. going to swim. Yeah, so, that's the Gulf of Mexico, know, right? Yeah. To, okay. Yeah, you have to get people to go east or west first to find right. a northern route. Mm-hmm. My contention is you could do that have money from the federal government from FEMA and SEMA, State Emergency Management, and figure out a yeah, way to help get money uh, in. That's part of the justification yeah, I know. For, for widening the road in Milton. Well, we have to have hurricane evacuation. Well, how far do you have to go in a hurricane? I, I happen to know this because I've talked to uh, Brad Baker, the, uh, uh, the hurricane emergency dude at Santa Rosa what County. How far do you have to evacuate? Do they say 100 miles? Because that's nope. what I've always been nope, teaching. Nope, 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 what, what's nope, nope. 30 miles. What do they say? 30 miles. 30 miles? Uh-huh. I thought it was more than that. Hmm. No, no, because you're not well, avoiding no, the wind. No, what, are you, what are you avoiding? What, what are you driving away from? What's storm the most surge. dangerous part of a hurricane? Storm surge. Storm surge, storm exactly. Surge. It's the water. So as long yeah. as you get far enough away from the water, uh, that's it. That's all I have to do. So 30 miles is standard hurricane evacuation. So how many roads yeah, do you need for it. people on the coast to go 30 miles? Not, not much. Oh, my goodness. And why I, would you well, build roads? It's a Right? And why would you build roads for something people can hear coming? See, a hurricane, they know about it several days in advance. It's not like an earthquake. We can talk earthquake, yeah, but you know, human nature. road construction. Come on, yeah. human nature. They are not going to, you know okay, we don't build. Are. We don't build for human nature. We, we build for safety, right? And we build yeah. for, uh, for, for and cost. And so we have to consider, mm-hmm. I mean, take a look at the area we live in. I mean, what's our biggest danger? Hurricanes. It's not right. even close. Everything else is secondary. So we need. I I think personally, we could lobby our senators and congressmen based on that, using that as leverage to try so and get you, money wait a to help. Now, the, see, we're still the real problem with hurricanes. Not the the road lanes. It's the growth. There's too many people in in, in Gulf Breeze. Because oh, I agree with that. Okay, so so there's your problem. So what really is the solution is a growth management plan. They actually should reduce the lanes. 
and, and have people, you know, move, <laughs> you know, move out, you know, or, or that'd be the best yeah. way. But we need a growth management plan, but they didn't do that. See, they were stupid. Same thing with, with Milton the, or, or Santa Rosa County. We've got our corrupt, you know, board of county commissioners that takes money from all the, the national housing development people, and they're destroying all our open space. They're destroying, you know, all the land. They're, they're creating way too many people. The infrastructure can't handle it. And they try and build roads to, uh, you know, to lead up to the amount of new housing development. Then they build more housing development because they have new roads. It's a vicious cycle. It's crazy. What's the, what's the expression? Fail the plan, you plan to fail. And and if you think yeah, about that, enough, that's though. so true. That's not good enough, though. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but but I'm just saying, you know, thinking of a a little anecdote that okay. kind of talks yeah. about what's going on. Yeah. They so the biggest plan. so so what makes roads dangerous really is excess traffic, people trying to beat lights, mm-hmm. impatience, uh, exceeding the capacity of a road. So it's not the road itself necessarily. Driver, what are the two, the two main, my police chief told me this, they always did this in traffic school. What are the two main causes of accidents? Speed and inattention. And those are, but how, you can only design roads so far to deal with people's speed and inattention. You know, you can only build a road so much. I mean, what do you do, put rubber pads up and down it on all four sides? I mean, you know, we always said. No, no, it's it's interesting. But here's the problem, though. I think one of the most dangerous roads is 98 in Gulfreeze because people can get it to 55 miles an hour and then have a traffic light. Well, they don't want to stop at 55 miles an hour. They're probably doing 60. Oh, what about a person who does it? What about a person who does a U-turn in front of you? Okay. Well, that's just, that's suicidal. That's just insane. But what I'm saying is that if you have a 45 mile an hour road, people are more likely to stop for the, for the red light because they don't have to break that hard. But at 65, Mm -hmm. you know, or 55, they're going to, they're going to want to keep driving through at 35. It's easy to stop a traffic light because you're not going that fast. Okay. I'll wait. But let's add two more lanes. How are people going to do a UE with two more lanes to cross? How in the heck is that going to work? It's not. You're going to have people piling up on these median barriers. It's just not going to work. And, and there's only so much well, right away. Well, how about overpasses? You know, uh, there's pluses and minuses. I think the fact well, let's, that we haven't talked, have, Let's talk about bridges and overpasses. We haven't really covered those yet. So let's, let's go. So one of the possible solutions. Okay, let's go. Tell me about them. Uh, okay, first of all, as a part of this transportation plan for the area, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people don't realize the bridge going across the Navarre Expressway, Causeway, mm-hmm. it's a two-lane bridge. It's absolutely obsolescent. It needs to be replaced. They're talking about building a four-lane bridge going across to Navarre Island. Now, the problem is where do you connect it? Where do you hook it in? You've already got issues with 98 and 87, the, the, some of the things I've seen or heard is you're going to connect mm-hmm. it on 87 and take 87 on across. It'll go across to the island right there at the stoplight at 98 and 87. You would actually have a flyover and go up over a new four-lane bridge. Okay, uh, so for those, that's uh, kind of let's do it let's visual again. So 87 runs north and south, and it connects to uh, – it goes all the way down to Navarre, which is a town down from Gulf Breeze. Uh, but there's no barrier right. island in Navarre uh, where, the, where, 90, where 98 comes out. That's not a barrier island there, is it, at Navarre? There's no – the island's well, actually – Yeah, across the water, across the Navarre oh, Sound on the other there side. Is, there, is an, a, there is a barrier island there. Okay. And that's extending from Gulf Breeze? Yep. Is, is that how it works? Okay. Mm, no, 98. Well, 
trying to. Then you go so Navarre, on the road. So, so somewhere Gulf Breeze. Yeah. So, the, so Gulf Breeze is more the barrier island, but somewhere it kind of joins up, and Navarre is more like the part of the land, the regular land. I guess I got to look at yeah, that. Yeah, I have to. Think <laughs> we'll see you later. Well, we, I get too technical on that yeah. on the radio. So, yeah. All right, but the point is that um, you know they're they're still sort. Well, let's talk about bridges in general in a more general way. And overpasses. Well, let's start with overpasses. Mm-hmm. Are those cost effective? You know, and how much more uh, does that take up? And, and you know, the worst would be Cloverleaf. Those are the big ones because now, you, it, now you're taking a huge amount of land. Yeah, we built three new overpasses in my city with the help of developers and the okay. state. It cost us about three and a half to four times for an overpass than just having an at-grade crossing. Now the problem is. People die at at-grade crossings, let's be honest. That's what was happening in our community. So we had to separate the traffic, again, getting the traffic and cars away from each other in order to allow traffic flow to work. If you don't get the cars separated from each other, guess what? Conflicts, conflicts mean accidents. Well, traffic so, lights are terrible anyway because you've got, you got traffic going in opposite directions. You've got people making U-turns, people making left turns, right turns, you know, and you're stopping a whole bunch of people that don't want to stop. They want to keep going. Uh, and it's just traffic lights are a mess. They're good for small intersections, but and for that, big, and that's big why our six-lane roads, it's crazy. Yeah. Our engineers told us you're going to get more accidents. You're going to take more time to move down, say, three miles, four miles. You're going to take mm-hmm. more time to move down that three or four mile stretch of road than you would have without the stoplights. But you've got other alter- you've got other issues. I mean, mm-hmm. one thing leads to another, leads to another, as you can see. And it's well, what about access me. roads? What, you know, what if they had the, had access roads well, on, on the side? So in other words, if you had a four lane expressway with no traffic lights, but you had on the right. side there were parallel access roads that were single lane or maybe just two lanes. Uh, and then that's where you do all your access. I've seen that before where the, the, the freeway part um, doesn't, it has access to the access road. And the access road has access to everything else. But here's, but here's the big word, right-of-way. What does it cost you to purchase that right-of-way? Even if you do it by eminent domain, you still have to reimburse those property owners. Right. That okay. can get hugely expensive. This is yeah, part I don't of believe the problem in trying to... Yeah, well, here's one thing. If you try to build three lanes on each side from, say, Fort Walton Beach west, let me explain this to everybody, coming from the west, from Fort Walton Beach, through Mary Esther, through Navarre, towards Gulf Breeze, think of all the private property owners that live along there. You're going to have to reimburse every one of those private property owners. You're going to have to give them curb cuts, access to their property. That is going to get hugely expensive. What's a curb cut? In terms of right-of-way acquisition. What's and a curb cut? It's like a curb cut that's giving somebody a driveway and entrance okay. off of the uh, curb to get in and out of their oh. property. Yeah, that makes sense. They're, we have to do that. They're, they're entitled to that. Yeah, they're entitled uh-huh. to a curb cut. Uh, so how wide is that road now, the, the, the Fort Walton, Mary Esther, Noir? Four lanes, okay. Four lanes. And they're thinking two of lanes, widening two it two or just leaving it the same? No, widening. Three lanes, both sides. At first, it's going to stop at 87. But they're they're surveying. You should see all the utilities. If you happen to be down this way, take a drive down 98 and look at all the new utility lines sticking up out of the ground. Oh, they're idiots. There's a reason why they're they're so stupid. You know, I'll I'll give you a perfect example, something totally different, something I'm familiar with, Uh, San Francisco. 
And San Francisco was a, mm-hmm. a city that had many overpasses. It had the world's ugliest freeway, the Embarcadero Freeway. So the entire Embarcadero oh, yeah. was in shade and, and shadow Amazing. and ugly and nothing was happening there. <laughs> and you, you could get to Fisherman's Wharf, you know, rather quickly from the ferry building. But who cared? Because you couldn't see anything or do anything. It was ugly. Now, um, the earthquake happened, and I was there for 1989. So the earthquake didn't destroy the Embarcadero Freeway, but it weakened enough that they had to take it down. Uh, there were freeways that did collapse around San Francisco. And, of course, the worst one was the one, here's where the grace of God saved my But um, I was in flight school at the time, and I used to drive under what was known as the Cypress structure. It was a, it was a uh, four-lane, double-decker freeway that the engineers, as it turned out later, knew was, was flawed. They knew it was going to collapse in an earthquake, and, of course, it did in 1989. Now, I was in flight school, and right. I used to drive under it at 5 o'clock when the earthquake um, s- struck. But the one day, and this that is where – this, this, is the World Series Day. World Series Day. Well, that saved a bunch of other people because nobody was on the freeways. So they were all home or in a bar watching the game. So that saved thousands of people's lives. Thousands. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, but what I, was, I normally would be driving home from flight school uh, under this bridge. And because they, and here's, here's what, like, so this is, this is God intervention. Uh, I was, the flight school called me up that morning and said, don't come in today. You know, your plane's down for maintenance. And uh, I only had one they were using for flight instructor training because I was learning how to be an instructor. I said, okay, no problem. Well, five o'clock that night, that's when the earthquake struck. But had they not called me, had my plane not been down for maintenance, I very well could have been under that structure and was killed. So that's, that's, no, I'm not kidding. That's a true story. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's like the people that were supposed to go to the World Trade Center on 9-11 and their appointment was canceled, that kind of thing. Yeah. So, we always, so, so, so when you get a second chance like that, you want to do good work. And this is part of why I'm here at Action Radio, because I got a second chance. I should have been under that freeway. Well, I mean, I should have, but uh, could have very easily and normally would have been under it. And that's where most people died, was under that I freeway. Remember. Yeah. I remember that pancaking, the top coming down on the next level. Yeah, yeah, and the lower level was so, the direction back to, from Oakland to San Francisco. That's where I would have been, right under it, at 504, more, more than the likely. Bay Bridge, the old Bay Bridge. Oh, yep. It was no, the Bay Bridge. Part of the, old, the, the Bay Bridge. Well, well, here's something really interesting. Now, this is talking about road construction. Now, the, the, the Cypress structure was flawed. They knew it, and it was so corrupt they didn't fix it. The new bridge is also equally flawed. It's made of substandard Chinese steel, and the engineers won't ride on the new Bay Bridge. Uh, they think it's terrible. And so that's a, that's a scandal itself. But the old Bay Bridge, the, uh, the trestle part, uh, the part that went from Treasure Island um, east to Oakland. So the, the part everybody knows, the, the suspension bridge goes from Treasure Island to San Francisco. But the older section is an old trestle bridge. And it had a weak point mm-hmm. in it by design, by design, if we ever had a major earthquake, which we did, it was either 6.9 to 7.1, depending on who you talk to. Let's say 7.0, which is a big earthquake. So San Francisco yeah. is a 7.0 earthquake, right? The Golden Gate Bridge is fine. It's built for it, right? Uh, the, the Oakland yep. Bay Bridge, the San Francisco suspension side is fine. It's built for earthquakes. Worst thing that happened to San Francisco Bridge was the 25th anniversary when 300,000 people stood on it. I know. I was one of them. I'll tell you that story sometime. Maybe today if we have time. Yeah. Anyway, uh, but the point is that the, the, the Oakland Bay Bridge was engineered in an earthquake in a specific weak point to collapse, removing all the stress from the rest of the bridge. And that's where I think one or two people died. But it could have been the whole bridge. But they engineered it properly. Yep. Now, I don't know if they do that anymore, but they did then. This is back in the 30s. That is an incredible thing. It saved lives. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it depends because from where I was from in Missouri, of course, we had the New Madrid seismic region, and, and, you know, some people are familiar with earthquakes there. So we actually took earthquake bracing and swaying Hmm. and so on into consideration when we built our new overpasses. 
mm-hmm. we had the engineers had to figure in, I think it's like 6.0, 5.0 earthquake possibility along the New Madrid seismic region. The New Madrid five, five is pretty big too. Four is kind of like where I wake up at. If I hear a 4.0 earthquake, that usually wakes me up. Short of four, I'm not really too impressed. But you start getting five, I and think, especially six, those are big earthquakes. We could, we could talk a whole nother hour on that in Missouri. Yeah. That's not, but that's well, not. We have a, here the oh, most no, here's, uh, all right, go ahead. No, here's the most important thing. Uh-huh. In order for this to work, the citizens of this community, the leaders, and I'm talking to pointing the finger at the elected folks, need to be getting together and deciding how they're going to address the transportation issue with roadways along the Gulf Coast. Nobody is – I don't see anybody lobbying for us. I don't see anybody standing up. You know, Matt Gates, love him, great conservative, but I don't see him lobbying for us with highways and roads. But it's I'm not, sorry, I don't see it happening. It's not as big an issue. It's, it's more a state and local issue, even though they're federal but, highways. Aren't they run by the state and local governments mostly? Or am I wrong on that? Well, they maintain them. The, the DOT gives them the funds to help maintain them, but they also okay. get funds to help maintain and build and look at new ones. And that's where we need to be lobbying. Yeah, we need somebody lobbying in D.C., sitting across from the congressmen, the senators, their legislative aides, and say, look, this is an important issue for us. And mm-hmm. keep knocking on the doors. Keep going to the Russell and Hart Senate office buildings in the Rayburn building. Keep knocking on doors. Keep talking to these folks. Eventually, they'll do something for you. We did it. It was a lot of mm-hmm. work. I went to D.C. three or four times. It was easy. My kids were there doing internships. Oh, I got them to sneak me into the offices. But you do what you got to do. I you did know, an internship in Washington. Happy. I've still got the, the photograph of me sitting in the, uh, the, the main hearing room chair in, in Congress at 1 in the morning, slightly drunk. <laughs> that's, a, that's another story. Both of my kids did two internships, one in Jefferson hmm. City, Missouri, capital, and then he right. did one, and then my daughter did two internships on Capitol Hill. So, you know, that's a very great learning experience. People want to know how the system works or doesn't work, you know, get in the, on the ground floor. But yeah, that's yeah, yeah. where I learned what, listening to them and discussing mm-hmm. with them how can we work to make things happen better. And they said, uh, you know, legislate, lobby, get there, get talk to the L.A.'s and get the right, attention right. of the congressman. That's the legislative aides for those that don't know shorthand yeah. for lobbyists. Yeah. Okay. I was trying to find things. Yeah. Let's go back to roads again. This is this is this is fun. So we've covered earthquakes. Uh, it's expensive to to prep a road for an earthquake, and even more so for a bridge. I mean, that costs a lot of money. But oh, that's why you, know, you it costs don't want people... us three to four times. Yeah, it costs three right. to four times more for at for for that kind of uh, intersection. Well, you've got for expansion joints. You've got all kinds of shock absorbing things. You got uh, well, if you ever study study the Transamerica Pyramid in San Francisco, I think it's riding on these Teflon things with these rubber bumpers. I mean, underneath it's mm-hmm. incredible. Uh, there's another building in San Francisco based on the Japanese model who have great experience with earthquakes. It's got a gazillion gallons of water and a tank above it. Uh, and the idea is, if the the bottom shifts one way, the tank will shift the other way. And it's kind of like a, a wave canceling thing. It's like a noise canceling headset. Exactly. It sets up an opposite wave, and the building stays straight because the earth is moving one way, the water is moving the other way, and hopefully they'll balance each other out. It's, it's an interesting theory, but you it know where to work. The third, you know where the third one of those is, don't you? What's that? Cheyenne Mountain. Cheyenne Mountain in, in Colorado. I don't the, know anything about NORAD. it. Yeah. Right, I know what it is, but yeah, what do they, they do? If they have a huge indoor building underground in that mountain, and it sits right. on rubber coils. And spring. Oh, it does. So in case the area were to get hit by an atomic bomb, the building itself would not move, just the ground would move. 
Yep, they're base. They're called base isolators. What they are? Yeah, that's what that's the transmitter pyramid. It's a base isolator. That's I hadn't heard that term for a while, but yeah, that, that seems yep. to me that that's, that's what they call it. It's fascinating. Okay, let's talk about. I think what's up? We got about two minutes. Uh, floods, flooding. Okay. You know that in, in Missouri better we, than we would here. Yeah, we had huge issues. We had to, we one of the things I learned over time was when you had to deal with floodplain and floodplain issues and trying to build, say, a, a roadway through a floodplain, ooh, this is not good. <laughs> it's, you, you try and avoid floodplains as much as you can. Obviously, where what's I'm flood, from, what's a floodplain? We tell me, tell people what a, yeah, we what a floodplain is. River, rivers. Yeah, what's, what's yeah. a floodplain? Floodplain basically is the area normally the river stays within its channel. During flooding, there is an area on both sides of the river where the mm-hmm. river deposits its extra water, sediment, right. and things like that, known as the floodplain. But because of laws and stuff, starting way back during the Mississippi flood in 1930, I think it was 29, there was mm-hmm. a very bad flood in the Mississippi mm-hmm. River Valley, and that's where the whole Army Corps of Engineers and the damming process came from. Now, what they oh, did when you look at yeah, a lot of people don't realize that. It was around 1900, first part of the 19th Well, the Army Corps of Engineers goes back to George Washington, actually had Army Corps, had, had the Army. But what's interesting is the Army Corps of Engineers, they're not all engineers, and they're not part of the Army. <laughs> it's kind of an interesting organization. No. It's, it's a, but when you do that, when you deal with the flooding, and it's the same thing, you know, here the flooding is on a much larger scale if you're dealing with a hurricane. Right. In Missouri or any other state that has a lot of, that's defined by rivers, you're going to have river flooding. Now, most people are familiar with what happened in Missouri in 1993. The flood of 93 was the greatest flood ever measured, and then 2008 yeah. was another one. Right. But those I think I remember those. Yeah, my, both of those affected my city because the water backed up. We have a tributary of the Mississippi that ran mm-hmm. right through my town. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the thing is when you're talking here, you're talking about storm surge. And I've not yet experienced, since I've lived here five years, thank heavens, I've not mm-hmm. experienced a storm surge, but, you know, they have the storm surge model. Weren't you here for Sally? They, they, I mean, Hurricane Sally came halfway yeah. up uh, our street. Yeah. We had a 14-foot uh, rise in the Blackwater River. Yeah, but we didn't, we didn't have – it blew over my shed, and that's basically all the damage I had. We, we were yeah. still able to get up and down 98. Right. So, uh, you know, we were fortunate. But, you know, when you start talking about flooding and everything else, one cubic <clears> – <throat> One cubic of water, yard of water weighs or moves with a poundage 64,000 pounds. So 64,000 pounds per square inch, I believe, is the physical number. So uh, imagine a cube of water moving 20 miles an hour and hit, hitting a house. So that gives you an idea of what a storm surge does. Yeah. And it's not too much different with a river. Uh, you know, with a river, you, the difference is, you kind of know when a hurricane is coming. Floods, you don't always know. And there are flash floods. That's why the one natural disaster that kills more people than anything else is flash floods. People don't realize that. Flash floods cause more No, water is so much more powerful. You don't drive through it. You don't go through puddles. You can't see the bottom. You know, you don't. There's all these things that you don't do. Uh, we're going to have to go a couple minutes here, but I just, we can come back and talk more okay. about this. I just had a weird thought. Uh, have you ever been to an airport yeah. and at the end of the runway? They have those jet blast deflectors that like these scooping things that send the jet yeah. blast straight up. Uh, what if you put those on a, mm-hmm. what if you put those beside a road as like a hurricane guard? So when the hurricane wind comes in, it doesn't affect the traffic because there's a, a deflector scoop forcing the air straight up. That's just a thought. 
But you know what? There's also going to be water with that. It's not just going to be the wind. It's going to be water as well. So that kind of changes the dynamic. Now, I know, was it during Sally? There was somebody, somebody had one of the towns or cities had built a barrier wall around one of their shopping centers. And I can't remember where it was. It was kind of an experiment. And I'm trying to remember who did. I'm going to look that up for next time we talk. Let me look that up and see what I can find. There was an experiment they were doing with how to prevent flooding in places like a shopping center or a shopping Well, there was mall. Hurricane Michael uh, that had Hurricane Michael. I forgot what. What's the town? Uh, Paradise City or what, what's it called? Uh, down south a little bit? Starts with a P. Yeah. yeah uh, there was. What's that city? Uh, well, my, my, my daughter's uh, future father-in-law lives in Mexico City. Uh-huh. Panama, not Panama City. Mexico no, City, no. I think somewhere between there and Panama City, somewhere in that area where Michael hit, and he lived there, and he had some water issues. So I, I think don't it's Panama City. I think, that I think that's what it's called. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. but there's a there's a home place I'm trying to get on the show. Um, they actually make round homes, and they make uh, for uh-huh. hurricanes. Uh, I think it's called Deltec. Anyway, it's a shameless Carolina. plug for them. What's that? Yeah, there's one on Navarre Island. There's a house that's shaped like a flying saucer. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's rounded. Uh, uh, and, uh, yeah. Do you know why they do that? You're, you're muted. Yeah, because the wind will flow over it. Yeah, yeah the, it, the wind it maintains will equal pressure. It. Yeah, it maintains yep. equal pressure on all sides. See, isn't that what blows down a house? You get the high pressure on one side off the, off the gulf, and there's the low pressure on the other side of the house, and the, high pressure, the low pressure pulls the house, and the high pressure pushes the house, and it collapses. Whereas if you have a round now, house... Now, what do we call that, Mr. Mr. Pilot, what do we call that? Bernoulli. Oh, diff- Ber- Bernoulli well, Bernoulli's effect. a little different. Bernoulli's a little different. Well, um, I thought it was, it, thought it was similar with a different pressure. Well, it's not really a Venturi effect. But what you're doing is you're creating – it's actually more oh, like, a, uh, okay. it's like an overwing. It's, it's a pressure differential. Uh, it, it's, but Bernoulli, yeah. uh, Bernoulli doesn't apply as much as people think. We'll talk about that sometime. Because I actually went to yeah, the, no. Ames, uh, the NASA Ames Research Center when I was researching my book. And I actually talked to some real, real smart guys. Uh, that actually, you know, invent mm-hmm. the numbers that they use to, to create airplanes. Uh, it's in my book, Complete Guide to Flight Instruction, shameless plug. But I actually did some real research for that, and I went to the NASA Ames Research Center, and what I found out was most of what they teach pilots is not true. That's in the show. Really? Uh-huh. I'll ask my, my brother-in-law. Obviously, you haven't read my book yet. <laughs> um, but uh, no. read Stick, <clears throat> Stick and Rudder and read my book. I'll have my, I'll have my brother-in-law read it since he flew the SR. I'll have him take a look at it. Oh, yeah, that'd be great. I'll get a, an official review. That'd be good. That'd be kind of cool. And yeah. my sister, the hurricane here. Yeah, that's, okay. you know, we're all round homes. in my family. So. Yeah, round homes. Yes. Uh, we need to, uh, there should be a huge Blind tax deduction for round homes. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's all right. Up. Well, listen, uh, I don't mean, this has been interesting. Yeah, I don't mean, that's okay. I think it's fun. I love science. I've, I mean, I taught it for 25 years. So, yeah. you know, I enjoy it tremendously. I'm And, and how it affects our community and everything, making that connection mm-hmm. for people. I found some people very resistant to that, though. It just what, seems science? to be changes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially but, Dr. Um, Fascist. Yeah. Dr. Fascist is the most resistant yeah. to science out there, even though he claims to be science. Mm-hmm. It's like That's common sense. That's Fauci for the listeners. <laughs> I was oh, you know what my uh, dad said? What's that? Go ahead. My, no, my dad said the problem with common sense is it's far too uncommon. And, no, you know, yeah. which it sounds like Will Rogers. It's true, but sounds, it sounds like Will Rogers would have said that. that. 
I don't know. It's just, yeah, I, I, I don't know. know. It just sounds like something. Yeah, he would say. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, it yeah. does. That's true. Okay. Well, all anyway, right. Do you have any any contact or websites or anything that uh, people can uh, uh, reach out and get people you? People can look no? me up, Mike. Yeah, they can look me up on Facebook, Mike Clinch, C-L-Y-N-C-H. I'm on the Facebook, and they can send me questions, comments, ideas, anything. Please, by all means, it's, it's an open world, open communication. We can't yes, survive if we radio, don't have it. Our action radio science editor. Yeah. Let's say it really slowly so people get it on the podcast. So it's Mike, M-I-K-E-C-L-Y-C-N-C-H? N-C-H. C-L-Y-N-C-H. There we go. C-L-Y-N-C-H. Yes, you can find them. Well, I'll show them we'll speak in an Irish accent next time. That'd be grand. <laughs> well, I'll sure and be happy now. You know the wee people. We understand hurricanes now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm a Scottish man. I won't talk about wee people. There may be little people there in Ireland, but the Scots were a different breed entirely. No, no this, could go, no, this could go downhill really fast. I don't think don't, we need to go Don't there. mistake my kilt for a metrosexual, laddie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where that came from. No, no. Uh, we better, we better get out of here. Okay. All right. Sounds great. Thanks, Greg. You take care. Thanks, Mike. I'll talk to you soon. Come back more Fridays. This is, I'm really having a great time. I enjoy this. All right. Take care. There you go. He's gone. Uh, we're done. So let me just give you the websites, and then uh, I've got the weekend, and I'll be getting ready for a whole bunch of shows next week, which I hope to be as riveting uh, and comedic you know, as what we're doing here at uh, Action Radio this week. So the main website, the one for our show, blogstockradio.com slash citizen action. Uh, the next one is our legislative site, Right. Yourlaws.com. That's W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S. We have our Substack, gregpenglis.substack.com. I am looking for paid subscriptions to help Action Radio out. Our contribution site, givesendgo.com slash actionradio, because we don't like uh, the other one. <laughs> and uh, my uh, public email is greg at writeyourlaws.com. So the only thing left to play is our music, our classical selection to send us on our way for the weekend. I will see you all Monday, six, uh, excuse me, 7 a.m. Monday, 7 a.m. Central Time. Catch you then. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18+. Plus.